Captain's Log, Stardate 75961.7. I'm Captain Britton. And I'm Advisor, Cook, and Ambassador Patrick. These are the Voyage of the Starship Soyager, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go where no, no one must pay for porn. Welcome to the bridge. This is Soy Trek, the show where two Trekkies ask themselves on a weekly basis, what's the difference between a holosuite and a holodeck? Hmm. Today we'll be discussing Strange New Worlds, Season 1, Episode 9, All Those Who Wander, and Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 2, Episode 16, Q-Who. But before we get into that... Let's jump into what's new in the Star Trek universe this week. We got Trek news for you. News you can use to wash away your blues. We got Trek news for you. What the fuck you gonna do? What the fuck you gonna do? Happy birthday to Jerry Taylor. Today, July 3rd, or sorry, June 30th. Uh, is famed TNG and Voyager producer and writer Jerry Taylor's 83rd birthday, which is pretty rad. Happy birthday. Yeah. uh, Jerry is best known as showrunner for Voyager for seasons three and four, which I would argue are by far their best seasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Live long and prosper, Jerry. Unfortunately, on the flip side, we have a death in the Trek world this week. This week, Gregory Jane who worked on Star Trek properties as a model maker for over 20 years, starting with uh, creating a Klingon battle cruiser for the never-released Star Trek Phase II in 1977. From then, he would go on to uh, do model work for Star Trek The Motion Picture, Star Trek V, Star Trek VI, Star Trek Insurrection, Star Trek Nemesis, and TNG, DS9, and Voyager. Although you wouldn't know his face, Jane was absolutely instrumental and the aesthetics and beauty of some of the best Trek. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Gregory, and rest in peace among the stars. Yeah, I've always wanted to get the Star Trek models and put together those ships and stuff, but I never, never made the yeah the, the dive to buy start buying them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed, they're all really cool. Yeah, I wish they would like actually sell like the same size models that they use on the show. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the enormous ones that yeah. be sick as fuck. They're massive. Yeah. They're about, I, I saw a picture recently where mm. it was about six feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're fucking huge. And it, I mean, it's awesome because you get a lot of detail, but mm-hmm. damn. Yeah. I just live in that or something. Yeah. Or be buried in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, further in Trek news, uh, last week on Will Wheaton's The Ready Room, an after show show for new Trek properties, uh, Babs Olsumokan, do you know how to pronounce his name? Olsumokan? Olsumokan? I okay. don't see it. Babs Olsumokan? Uh, right, right there. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. I agree. Um, so the guy who plays Dr. Mbenga mm-hmm. on, uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, uh, let it slip in an interview that Star Trek Strange New Worlds second season 
we'll see the return of the Klingons. Oh, hells yeah. Yeah, he said uh, the next season will give us another side of Dr. Mbenga, a darker side of him. He then went on to uh, say the season two story is an exploration of his contentious relationship with the Klingons. Yeah, which, I mean, they could do it without the Klingons, but it'd be difficult, I think. It might explain, like, um, what happened to his wife, Deborah. That's true. Or, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe she was lost to a Klingon. Maybe they act. turned her into that nebula. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah who knows? Um, so, yeah, I do wonder how they'll be portrayed. Um I would actually straight up love it if they went back to like a modified look of the original TOS Klingons yeah. with like no forehead ridges or whatever. Yeah, where they had like the genetic or supposedly by a disease. Yeah. The way they uh, look different. Well, I mean, they, they don't really address it. The scene, no. they, they postulate because yeah. O'Brien and yeah, Bashir kind of are like, <laughs> is it uh, genetic engineering? Some kind of disease? Uh, it's a long story. We don't talk about it with others yeah, or it, with outsiders. It could be like um, the body modification, you know, they did for the, um, and discovery for it to make that one guy. Oh yeah. And so maybe they just started building, building, it building all Klingons up like that. I yeah. To make them all look human for some reason. Okay. <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> no, um, <laughs> uh, and finally in Trek news on the lighter side, um, uh, in an interview with Star Trek Explorer, Q actor John DeLancey revealed that he had one real demand to return to Star Trek to reprise his role as Q on Star Trek Picard Season 2. DeLancey said uh, that upon meeting with Star Trek Picard Season 2 showrunner Terry Metalis, his character's wardrobe was the first thing he brought up. To quote him, quote, My first thing was, you're not putting me in tights, I hope, <laughs> he said. Uh, and Terry responded, no, he'll be just the way you are now to which Delancey responded. Okay. Well then that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean that, the, that was one of the most boring parts. I mean, there's many, yeah. but like, but the costuming for Picard season two was completely was, unremarkable. It, like, I mean, it was, it was fine. It was just like super modern. It looks like, it looked like everyone was dressing in Zara. Yeah. Everyone's like, just dressing in black. Yeah, turtlenecks and just like yeah, okay. It's, it it kind of reminded me of the costuming of the Expanse, but the Expanse yeah. is a lot more like recent hard sci-fi ish. Yeah, and like yeah, like they just they dress for um utility. Yeah, because they're because uh, the Expanse world is more of like you like know they're actually pre scarcity. Yeah, yeah. pre scarcity, and they're all working, and so they need to have like that sort of stuff. Yeah, but. the Expanse I think is a much more reasonable outlook on the future than Star Trek, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, also, yeah, I mean, it does kind of like take the aesthetic of like, you know, aliens, you know, alien and aliens where they're just kind of just workers. In space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's like everyone's blue collar in space, basically, because mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it takes people to get a ship to run. Mm-hmm. Like, and some of them are going to be fucking dirty, but you yeah. never see those people on Star Trek. No. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, it's a utopia. So everyone, and it's like sort of their living quarters. So they're all dressing like it's a, you know, it's their home. Mm-hmm. It's their home and workplace where right. it's like, and, and like the movie alien, they're just wearing like, you know, just their work clothes, like coveralls and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, a shirts and stuff like that. Cause they're yeah. just, they're just, just working stiffs, you know, on a, mm-hmm. on a, on a barge. Yeah. Big, and, big old barge. And then 
Star Trek, it's like, oh yeah, we're all living in a hotel. Or yeah, except, except <laughs> like Klingons dress like for battle at all times. Oh, some yeah. of them are dirty, and I love that. Mm-hmm. And then there's those fucking trash people from Voyager. They're filthy as fuck. <laughs> and then also the pirates. Oh, and... fuck, fuck that. <laughs> fuck the pi- we don't talk about the pirates. That, that episode was fine. I just hated all of the pirate shit. Yeah, it's like, yeah, the ship that can have warp drive, but it's like... No showers. <laughs> no showers. No showers. And everyone's just like... Just rummaging in filth. Yep. <laughs> and and uh, that and uh, like gruel. Mm-hmm. Just eating gruel. Yeah, that also didn't make sense. Yeah, they, we're in a replicator future and they're all just eating like oatmeal gruel. <laughs> like, it's, like they're peasants. I'm like, why? <laughs> just, and they seem to be, uh, that's a, that's like, I don't know, you know, I already covered it, but I was just, but it's like, okay, they seem to be halfway decent pirates. Yeah. Why, why didn't they steal any food replicators? <laughs> yeah. Right? Why, why, why are they just living hand to mouth, basically? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. They're shitty with yeah, great great questions here. <laughs> Speaking of great questions, that's a terrible segue. Sorry. Uh, uh, would you like to talk about all of the new Trek for the week? Hell's yeah, let's do it. Strange new worlds on the Enterprise with Captain Pike. We'll tell you how it goes and if it blows. If it sucks. The penultimate episode of the first season of Strange New Worlds, uh, episode nine of ten, All Who Wander, written by uh, Davy Perez, who wrote the episode, I think episode four, Memento Mori, mm. uh, and also wrote for the show Supernatural before. And, oh, I've uh, never seen that. Yeah, me neither. Apparently it wasn't great, but, you know, yeah. I think he's a competent writer. My brother really likes that show, but he would say, like, it really just takes a nosedive after a certain season. Bummer. Yeah. Hopefully that's after Davy Perez left. <laughs> um, and directed by Christopher J. Byrne, who uh, directed the some uh, series of the TV show 12 Monkeys. Oh. So he was probably hired by Akiva Goldsman, who was the showrunner for that. Oh, was he? Yeah, uh, he was. Uh, and also he wrote for American God, or directed a couple episodes of American Gods and three episodes of Discovery. So he's directed some Trek before. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's get into it. We open on some fruit and fauna on a table in Ahura's personal log stating my assignment to enterprise is over. After we complete our current mission, delivering vidium power cells to deep space station K seven, I go back to earth. I'm excited to see my grandmother. Our last call was cut short. Life on a starship has a way of taking over. I've rotated through almost every department. So many amazing, talented people, the top, every one of everything. They all know why they belong in Starfleet. For them, Starfleet has always been the destination. For me, it was where I ran after the loss of my parents. Serving aboard Enterprise is an affirmation of the entire crew's hopes and dreams. I envy their surety, but me? I guess I'm still searching. <laughs> so this is obviously kind of an Ahura episode, I guess. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it doesn't really focus on anyone in particular, but I, it kind of opens and closes with her. So... Mm-hmm. I guess we could say it's in a her episode enough. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, that, yeah. Yeah. Leon and of course Himmer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Pike makes a speech and congratulates Ahura and another cadet on completing uh, the training rotation of the Enterprise. Uh, someone who I forget her name, but it's the first time we see her. Oh, yeah. 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 It, it introduces like some new faces all of a sudden. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also introduces another new face. Uh, Ensign Duke is promoted to lieutenant. And after that, Ahura starts to back away. 
Uh, Ortegas asks why she's shying away from the party, and Ahura says she hates goodbyes. Pike comes over, tries to convince her to stay. It's all charming and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he came on and laid on the charm. Yeah, He could see that she was kind of like having thoughts about what to do next. Right. And- Pike tries to convince her to stay, but she seems kind of resolute on going. She She doesn't really know. I mean, he was laying on. I mean, he also prepared all those delicious pastries because that's what you start on. Like the like the shot starts on all those like bomb ass food that he made. Oh, like, yeah. Like yeah, a, yeah. like a whole breakfast spread. And I was just like, mm-hmm. man, I'm fucking hungry. Yeah. Homeboy. <laughs> homeboy hooks it up like Pike. Pike definitely knows how to cook. Apparently. Yeah. That's how he he's. Uh, I mean, obviously the hair gets him laid, but like the you breakfast know, foods, the breakfast foods. Because that's how he really because I mean, they always want to invite him over because when they wake up, like. He's making a bomb ass waffle instead mm-hmm. of fucking hightailed it out of there. Yeah, a post sex omelet. Yeah, you know, post post coitus <laughs> omelet. The frittata, perhaps a quiche. Yeah, you yeah. know he wows you downstairs, then wows your. Oh yeah, wows all the other senses. Give her a smash and a quiche, baby. Mm. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, Spock pages Pike and tells him there's a priority one mission coming in from Starfleet. Pike asks Una where La'an is for the mission, and she says that La'an has scheduled some personal time off, which is one of the first times in Trek, to my memory, that they actually talk about, like, a time off system at all. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I think that's important. Yeah, Yeah, I always kind of felt that it was just, like, they took it whenever they needed it. Yeah. Yeah, just like, but yeah, it seemed like you actually put in the thing. But also, I I don't know, I, I felt that didn't, it wasn't necessary. It really wasn't because Pike's like, uh, well, she can just join us in progress. So her time off was apparently like half an hour. Yeah. It, <laughs> it was, was like, like a, a, can I have a lunch break? <sighs> and okay. Then she, and, then she, and yeah, I mean, they could have just like done the scene, but yeah, you know, but I guess like they had to catch her up and yeah. So yeah. anyway, so next scene, uh, Pike is washing some dishes, which, which makes me wonder why are we hand washing dishes in the future? Yeah, that are we make... not beyond that technology? <laughs> we have that technology now yeah. to to not have to hand wash dishes, and it's a lot more efficient yeah. than hand washing dishes. Plus, like they've shown, like in previous things, since they do have food replicators, in this, yeah, right, yeah. So, like, um, it shows like in other, I think in TNG they showed like they just put like the dirty plate back into the replicator and it yeah. sucks it back, that sucks the material. Yeah, because it's just in. material. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. like that's raw materials that you need. But I guess you know maybe you know. It's kind of like how, like, you know, I guess, like, Cisco liked to cook his own food. Yeah, and, 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 you know, ne- and Neelix cooked the food yeah. because they didn't have the resources until they got the resources and still they had him as the chef. And... Yeah, but, like, yeah, Pike probably just does it because, you know, it's, like, one of, you know, cooking's obviously one of his little, like, pastimes that he likes. So. That's true. So, That's of true. course, he would have his own, like, plateware and that he's, he, he loves to be a host. That's true. You know? he, is, he is a host <laughs> with the most. The host with the most. And the most hair, indeed. Uh, yeah, Pike's so, beak is back after the cuck hair. It is, but it gets kind of messed up after they go uh, to the... Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so Pike is washing some dishes uh, when Laon comes in and says she's sorry she's late, but she was with the ship psychologist. Mm. Um, yeah, Dr. Sanchez. Yeah, Dirty Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, what the DR stands for. Uh, she uh, calls a head <laughs> shrinker or something. It's like... <laughs> who, who actually goes to a psychologist and is like, yeah, fucking wackadoodle. Like, yeah. what are, you, are you not trying to deal with your trauma? Or what's and, the deal? And plus, yeah, it was like. She requested time off to go see this woman. Like, fuck this guy. Yeah, like, it, was her own per- it was her own personal choice to go to, <laughs> yeah. the, to go to the therapist. Like, you didn't have to go if you have such contempt for them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's just like a throwaway line, but it's one of those ones that makes me go like, 
eh, it doesn't really work, but whatever. Yeah, um, but it makes sense because she has all that previous trauma from her past. So. Well, true. She's trying yeah. to be a hard ass. You know? Yeah. So uh, Una says she's glad uh, she's making use of uh, the psychologist. Mm-hmm. Which is a really low key way to say, yeah, you need some help, lady. <laughs> like, which is kind of a great low key burn that I don't think they meant it that way. Mm-hmm. So Spock begins the briefing and relates that a f- uh, that four days ago the USS Penegrine, which apparently is a type of hawk, and I looked mm. it up, and also a comic book character, but I don't think it's named after that. Mm. Could be though. That'd, that'd be amazing if in the future they just have like the the like oh, the God. USS Iron Man. Oh my God! <laughs> the USS I am Groot. <laughs> considering our considering our current day Marvel infatuation, I can see that totally happening. The, the moment Disney buys Paramount, oh, the, yeah. the Enterprise like F is going to become just the fucking like USS Wakanda. Yeah, USS <laughs> Star, Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> Glub shitto. <laughs> USS Watto. USS Watto. Uh, yeah. So uh, Pike offers Laon some breakfast and says, and she says she's not hungry, but the crew insists she's going to want to try the bacon, the omelet, and the waffle. She really likes Pike's cooking. Oh, yeah. You know, why is Pike got to be so perfect? Fuck that guy. Yeah, he is perfect in he, every way. He except here's the thing: he doesn't know what an omelet is. I don't know if you took a good look at that plate, Mm-mm. but there's there's like bacon, some fruit, definitely a waffle, and then there's a slice of something, mm. which definitely has like a crust of some sort. It looks like a quiche. It could be a frittata, but there's no fucking oh. way in hell it's a goddamn omelet. Yeah, yeah. Now I remember. Yeah, that was that did look like a quiche or something. Yeah, yeah. Straight up, like go back and if you're listening to this now, go back and look at that scene and be as fucking angry as I am. Right, I'm enraged. You know what? I I I almost kicked my TV in. Not you know gonna what? lie. One thing I always notice, like you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of culture completely remained intact after like you know World War Three and the eugenics wars. You know yeah. where. They said what they lost like sixty percent, or I can't or like a majority of like the human life. Yeah, you know, on o- Earth. obviously, like white Europeans yeah. and all of their culture survived <laughs> yeah. just fine. Yeah, just fine. Everyone that died was literally they just destroyed Africa, South America, <laughs> and Asia. Yeah, <laughs> everything else survived. But like, I kind of wonder if like some things were lost, like what an omelet is, and like, so like, <laughs> so like they're just like in the future, just, just like, like making like a like a crude facsimile of like an omelet or what they think an omelet was. <laughs> Picard season three goes back to the past again. He's like, "Would you like an omelet?" And he makes it like, "What the fuck? Is, this is a piece of cake, old man. <laughs> Are you fucking retarded? Like, <laughs> what the hell is this?" <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Oh, uh, oh God, got to save the omelet. Yeah. Um. So. Spock continues with a mission briefing, saying that when they sent the emergency signal, the Pentagreen was making an unscheduled emergency landing on a Class L planet, which is right below Class M. Mm-hmm. It's just a little shittier, livable, but barely. Uh, planet's called Valio Beta 5, because uh, it's a beta cuck <laughs> of a planet, um, and it takes the L. Yeah. See? Yeah. Una says the ship made its descent onto the planet, but its beacon went out mid-transmission. Lon asks for extra cheese for her omelet, which I wrote here looks suspiciously like a quiche. Yes. Uh, and plus, what kind of cheese was that? 
Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> like it looked like it lo- yeah, it looked like a bowl of parmesan. What <laughs> what you gonna put dry parmesan on an omelet? Again or they, a waffle? <laughs> again, they don't know what an omelet is. It was lost in the sands of time. <laughs> it was lost in the eugenics war. It was lost in the eugenics war. That wars. was the first thing Khan destroyed was the omelet <laughs> recipe. <laughs> he really hated them. He's just like, no. And so the so historians pretty pretty much, you know, it's kinda like how we go through like Egyptian culture stuff and like kind of make the best educated guess and historians like you know, like modern day star trek historians were like trying to like piece together what an omelet was and that was their best guess <laughs> and all, yeah all they had to reference it like all of the recipes from recipes.com got lost but not the like the four page stories <laughs> yeah. beforehand so, so they're like based on this i think it's a cake thing i think it's a cake you put parmesan cheese on <laughs> a parmesan cake yeah it's a cheesecake all, right. all right yeah yeah that sounds right there's not so. even eggs in it <laughs> it's just like just it's really just a block of cheese yeah. <laughs> with more cheese added on top. <laughs> Pass me the extra cheese. Mm. Uh, Why yeah. are we so constipated? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think they they have they've gotten finally gotten rid of lactose intolerance in the future? Is everyone lactose intolerance? Is just everyone okay with it and farting? <laughs> no one farts in Star Trek. No, I'm probably in like lower decks, but no one else in Star Trek farts. I'm guessing like you know like the their their uniforms look pretty simple, but I'm sure there's like some sort of like embedded technology. In Ooh, it. a fart suppressor. Yeah, there's fart suppressors. <laughs> it's on a the fart back silencer. It's <laughs> like a gun silencer. They just stick in their ass <laughs> because you know because like you know all these different you know uh, alien races and cultures like some may find farts to be very like offensive, pleasing, pleasing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like both. Your, your, your culture does not fart. <laughs> yeah, they they they, will, they just want to make it remain neutral, so they don't want to either arouse or offend. So True. they're just like. Also, do you think their universal translator like translates alien farts into like more understandable farts? Yeah, so it sounds like what an alien, what what Andorian, what Andorans farts like. He's like, oh my, oh, I can understand your farts now. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Spock says the planet's atmosphere might be preventing the ship from sending a signal because the the upper atmosphere is littered with charged nitrate ions. I actually spent like half an hour looking into if this made any sense, and mm-hmm. I don't think it does. No. Uh, Una pipes in and says the planet is a known dead zone. Their transporters and comms can't reach the surface. They mention it's a uh, the ship they're trying to save, the Pentagon, is a fast Sambra-class ship, which is built from the same parts as a Constitution-class ship. So Laon brings up their current mission of bringing Validium power cells to deep space K7 that they mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. saying without them, the whole station goes dark, including their life support, which made me wonder why Starfleet would cut it so fucking close on the energy that yeah. requires an entire starship to, like, house people? Yeah. Like, they need it within, like, the next day? Why? Yeah, and, and being a, like, uh, he mentions, like, yeah, like, their life support will be gone. It's just like, holy Which shit. It's, it's got to be like a day, because yeah. we assume that, like, they go on the transport, you know, and, yeah, I was very confused about that, but whatever. Mm. Whatever. Um, so, the nearest ship that could deliver uh, the supplies to uh, Deep Space K7 is over a week away, or about a week away, and the Vidium cells decay in transport, and a delay that long would render them useless. So Laon suggests they send a landing party for repairs and to treat the wounded while the Enterprise delivers the Validium, or Vidium, uh, mm-hmm. splitting them up, which I don't think that's wise, but uh, whatever. No. Especially with what happens next year. So, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Luna says it's risky since the landing party would be out of contact. Pike agrees, but says he has faith of the heart mm-hmm. in the crew to get it done. Pike orders Una to get the supplies to K7 while he, quote, piles the kids into the station wagon to take a road trip. Which yeah. is like, n- no one would get that, including Spock here, who Spock is like, what is a station wagon? Yeah. <laughs> and Pike says, if anybody has to go, now is the time. Do not make me turn this car around. Which was was actually the soyest line in the episode. Yeah. Which is weird because I never expected Pike to take the soy line. No. But and this one was just like, it didn't make sense. And it was like, mm-mm. it's literally like a 200 year old reference. Like literally they don't have station wagons anymore. Really? No. I mean, they have, they have some, but they don't even really call them station wagons. They call them like, uh, like low profile SUVs and shit like mm-hmm. that. Like station wagon is literally a thing of the past. Yeah. And, and remember the episode of Voyager when uh, mm-hmm. they find the uh, truck floating through space. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and Tom Paris has, and you know, cause he's a, you know, old, old automotive uh, nerd. Right. Right. Like he literally has to explain to all the, everyone else what yeah. it is. Like they're just like, what is this thing? Yeah, yeah. And so, and so if, if, Pike were making this to like in a vacuum or whatever, yeah. whatever, but like into Spock, I get why Spock wouldn't get it, but no one should get this. No, no one, sh- including Pike. <laughs> it's not some, and it's not a reference they would all grow up with. Right. Especially cause like it, it makes it clear that like most people in this time don't watch TV shows or film at no. all, Mm-mm. which is in, an interesting thing in Pike, Star Trek Pike, too. But Pike does. Pike does like watch some old movies and yeah. so did Tom Paris and Bolana watch oh, old yeah. movies. Cause remember yeah. Tom Paris had the old TV. Mm-hmm. Tom Paris looking back on it was kind of like a Reddit dork. He was, he was, <laughs> he, was he was kind of like in my, Modern day, I think Tom Paris would have been like a steampunk guy or something, <laughs> right? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. but some, but yeah, and like what makes it unbelievable is he actually gets laid. Yeah, and so- <laughs> well, I mean by Bolana though, yeah. which is like, come on, Ooh, I yeah. mean, how hard is that? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not hard when okay. But. <laughs> uh, we go down to Valio Beta Five, and Pike and the landing team are uh, with two shuttlecraft, uh, who both are out of comms range by the time they get to the surface. They exit onto a snowy, harsh environment. Pox says due, or sorry, Spock says due to <laughs> conditions, uh, they had to land several kilometers away from the Pentagreen, and they should work quickly as the area will be overcome by an ice storm in the next six hours. I do like throwaway lines like that, because like in other episodes of, of other Trek, like when they, when they park so far away from their goal, mm-hmm. it's like, why, Why didn't you just park up right next to it? Right, right. No, that, that was that was good writing, actually. Yeah, that, yeah, good yeah, continuity. I, like I thought. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I like when they do that. Like they they make a, a weird decision, but then they actually explain it with mm-hmm. a reasonable answer. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. Yeah, because otherwise, yeah, you're like, well, you're in a hover ship that can just like put you right there if you want. Right, but, right. Yeah. So uh, over with Hammer, he's super happy, saying the wind reminds him of Andoria, or her hates it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a guy is showed earlier. Uh, the guy who it showed earlier named Duke asks if the anomalies are what's causing the interference. And Spock says, negative, Ensign. It's the uh, ionic interference. Um, Sam Kirk then busts in with his dumb mustache and tells <laughs> Spock he owes Duke a drink. And Chapel pipes in that Duke was just promoted to lieutenant. And I got to say, so right after Spock called him Ensign, I paused and uh, went and reported a goof on IMDb <laughs> and then I hit unpause and I'm like, Oh shit, I need to go delete that. Uh-oh. It doesn't allow you to delete it. If you go on IMDb and you see that goof, that's me. Cause I'm an <laughs> idiot and I, uh, I'm, I'm just an idiot. 
Sometimes when you goof, the goof goofs you. Yeah, right. I I mean, fucking extremely goofy movie. Baby. Well, you know what? You know what is a goof? What's that? He said, buy him a drink. That's true. Drinks, no one buys drinks. They don't have money. Drinks yeah. are free. But in in a couple episodes ago, uh, drinks were on Pike. Remember? Yeah, that's true. Drinks are on me. <laughs> just meant to physically pour them on him. <laughs> the drinks are on me. Uh, wet t-shirt contest, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> wet uniform. Um, so, uh, Spock says, another human drinking game? Does their number have no limit? <laughs> it was dumb. I, I, like, I like that. I laughed at that. <laughs> yeah, me too. It was, it was <laughs> dumb, but it was... Because yeah. it's also like, yeah, we do have a lot of drinking games. Yeah, we do. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Spock ain't wrong. But but at the same time, like, I feel like they've gotten rid of alcoholism in this future. And I feel like without alcoholism, you really don't have drinking games. No. There, there, there has never been, like, four people who drink on occasion who get together and they're like, let's play a drinking game. Yeah. It's, it's always there's one fucking shitbag in the group who's, like, a <laughs> functional alcoholic who's yeah. like, all right, who's doing a power hour with me? It's okay. We can do it with beer. It's less than the shot, man. Yeah. Like, He's like, yeah. I'm just trying to tr- trying to justify my alcoholism. <laughs> just leave me alone. It's, I have a problem. Um, so Mbenga says that according to his readings, the Peregrine or Per whatever keeps on auto-correcting it on my shit. Peregrine, <laughs> um, a landfall near the ridge of a great chasm, but there's too much interference to see if there are life signs. Uh, so why, why are the two primary medical officers on the same away mission? Together? Yeah, that seems, I mean, they're, I mean, it seems irresponsible. Yeah. I mean, I guess like because they don't because like they said, you know, it's a crew of 99 that's supposedly on there. So they don't know if there's like a lot of hurt people. Yeah, but but there are more than two medical officers on the ship. They just sent down the two most important. Yeah, ones that we know of. <laughs> that we know of. Yeah, we haven't really seen. That's true. I mean, I think we've seen like they, what and uh, what, what was that? Then we see like other. I think there was like one or two. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Laon says, Captain. Might not scanning be a problem? And then focuses on what appears to be a bloody body in the snow. Mm-hmm. Opening credits! <laughs> 840 is how long the uh, opening part was. Not not too bad. Not too bad. So, um, about the opening theme. So I was watching mm-hmm. an interview with Jerry Goldsmith mm-hmm. uh, a few days ago, and uh, he's talking about composing the theme for the original Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. You know, dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after he was done with the first draft, which didn't sound like that at all, and I heard the original draft, the producers listened to it and said, it's good, but it doesn't have a theme. Uh, so we went back and made the iconic song that ended up uh, also becoming the TNG song. Uh, New Trek, all of it, suffers from this problem of yeah. not having a theme. I can't hum any one of the songs. No. Like, the music's fine, and the music in the episodes is pretty good, but, like, they use it a little too often, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, the most I know from the Strange New Worlds one is the reprise of, like, you know. Yeah, of the of the old themes. Yeah, which and, is, like, it's like, oh, yeah. And then, but otherwise, it's like, bum, 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 yeah, bum, yeah, bum, it's, bum, it's fine, but yeah. it's like, I don't remember any of it. No. Yeah, it, it definitely, definitely suffers in that, because, yeah, that's, you know, the, the Star Trek theme songs are the iconic. Like yeah. All of them, yeah. Except for except for this shit. Anyway. <laughs> so, we come back from credits, and uh, we're on the surface of the planet again, and the crew is opening the door of the Peregrine, uh, which is covered uh, internally in ice and blood. Um, Pike orders a full diagnostic of the ship, 
all comms are down, and all ship functions have been hardwired to engineering. Pike asks why they would do that, and there's something interesting here. So internal comms on the ship are down, but also it seems they didn't bring comm badges with them? Because mm. for a good while, they're not able to communicate with each other in the ship. I think that's because of the interference. But they said that was in the upper atmosphere. Mm. The charged ion part, or yeah, charged uh, mm. particles, yeah. Yeah, which which uh, I think was maybe a little continuity thing there. Yeah, I'm not sure. just like to add like the the horror element of yeah. this of this episode. Yeah, because yeah. we'll like they, if they were able to communicate with each other, that would <laughs> very, very true. So, um, all comms are down and ship functions have been hardwired to engineering. Uh, Pike asks why anyone would do that. Hammer mentions there's atypical plasma in the main circuits. But also, we asked why anyone would do that. They did that like in the um the uh captain angel episode yeah you're right yeah so, uh, so hammer like, hardwired all right yeah they tried to and they, and they do that a lot where they always like yeah. they always uh if, if the ship's being like invaded or taken over or whatever right, right. they always like try to um they always retreat to inter- engineering yeah because it's secure and then they and can, can control the whole ship from engineering yeah they've done a lot of times yeah, silly. Oh, well, whatever. Uh, Hammer mentions there's atypical plasma in the main circuits, saying they were likely using energy from the warp core as emergency power, which would imply no backup batteries and the antimatter slash matter reactors busted. Uh, Hammer heads to engineering while Spock attempts to restore bridge functions. Right then, Laon busts in and says the situation is grim. So far, they have found 20 casualties, one of them being the captain. I think the Probably should have used the term fatality since they're all dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and casualty means dead or injured when they're um, clearly all dead. Yeah, they're all pieces. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pike says the ship has a contingency of 99 members. And Mbenga says there might be more they just haven't found yet. Lon says most of them have been picked apart, maybe by local wildlife and maybe by something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mbenga postulates that the crew just got lost in a vicious storm, maybe. We go to the surface with Sam Kirk, Mustache Man, the Mustache Kirk, and Chapel, and some of the newer crew, and they find a field of dead people completely ripped apart. They wonder who or what might have done something so savage. <laughs> that's just the storm. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, that's the storm that the Q keeps on talking about that fucking... Oh, uh, yeah. I thought you were like, John Delancey? Oh, that Q. They... No, no, Q, QAnon. <laughs> Bad oh, yeah, Q. Yeah. QAnon. Yeah. yeah, that guy's back. I know. Yeah. Ron Watkins. Uh, or Jim Watkins. We don't know. Jim Watkins, yeah. I mean, we there's no proof it's either of them. I, there's a lot of proof it's yeah, both, of lot, them. Yeah, it's <laughs> both of them. <laughs> there's no 100% definitive proof yet. Just lots of circle, it's, circumstantial evidence and, you know, yeah. nearly airtight, like, data proof. But, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Just, it's just two big old dorks. <laughs> two dad and son fucking up America. Um, so... Uh, back on the Peregrine, Peregrine uh, Ahura finally gets audio logs up, and we get a captain's log from Captain Gavin saying they were mapping non-Federation space when they picked up three castaways from a Class M planet. A human of unknown origin, a human girl, and an Orion named Pasco. They soon realized the Orion was infected with Gorn eggs. Pasco, uh, knowing this, set off a plasma grenade in engineering to try to kill himself in the eggs. I was wondering, why'd they take them to engineering? 
wait did he specifically go to engineering to set it that's off? a great question because that's a that's the worst place to fucking set off yeah you would imagine that they the first place they would take them is sick bay yeah and that's where he probably would have like because he would have killed everyone else like it's yeah. just like an act of terrorism at that point or yeah maybe he maybe he specifically went to engineering to destroy the ship since he knew like once the gorn came out of him like they but could why didn't he just kill himself like yeah why does he take everyone down with him that's a <laughs> dick-ass move yeah dude. how did he yeah he was able to access engineering pretty easy i guess yeah right um <laughs> so <laughs> the system sent an automatic distress call when he blew up their grenade but gavin noted that if she could reach starfleet she would tell them not to come mm. uh pike gathers the crew and knowing laon's past about the gorn asked her so, i'm just wondering if like if she knew that the that the situation's dire and that the that this that the um whole whole thing's planet's a no-go mm-hmm. why didn't they self-destruct the ship that's a great question because they knew because they because obviously she would know that someone would respond to the call and then that would just like make yeah. it happen again so it's like why not self-destruct i mean yeah this is basically an alien situation here mm-hmm, yeah and yeah. It, yeah so it's like uh and they knew it was gorn so it's like oh yeah <laughs> straight up. i mean they don't know for sure it's the gorn but they're pretty sure at this point right well yeah well you had the gorn eggs you're right oh yeah gorn that's eggs. true that's true yeah 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 um so pike gathers the crew and asks lan uh what to do or what she wants to do because of her history with the gorn uh, Laon obviously wants revenge on the Gorn, but says she'll settle for finding survivors and getting off the planet. Uhura finally activates internal sensors, which detect two life signs on deck five, one human and one of unknown origin. Uh, Hemmer continues to try to get the ship systems working while Pike, Laon, and Uhura investigate the ship. <clears throat> In the halls of the Peregrine, Pike finds another body, completely mangled. They reach a doorway, and they hear clattering noises inside, and see a shadow in what appears to be firelight from the room. As they approach, a blue-skinned alien of unknown origin, and whose language is not detected by the Universal Translator, starts trying to hit them with a big old stun stick. (laughs) And you pointed out, yeah, there's a lot of, like, stick-based weapons in this future, and a lot of, like, energy stick-based weapons, which is, like, if Mm -hmm. you have energy-based weapons, why are you putting them on a stick? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, it was, like, uh, at the, um, the, what, the Magellan planet? Yeah, They, yeah. they, they had you know, uh-huh. stick-based energy weapons. They did, yeah, yeah. They kind of remind, yeah, those remind me of um, the one that they used in uh, Stargate. Okay, you know, yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah they, you're the, totally right, yeah. Yeah, but I'm wondering if they are using, like, the stick-based energy weapons to, like, save money, like it's the same, <laughs> like, the one that the alien was holding <laughs> was the just, same one from the other they episode. They just bought it, yeah. Yeah, they bought it like, from Stargate. It's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stars, yeah, just picked all this. Yeah, yeah the Stargate stuff was pretty cool. Yeah, so uh, they can't understand his language. So Laon tells Ahura to do something, but Ahura's like, uh, that's now not how linguistics work. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, I'm just going to figure out this guy's <laughs> language yeah, which, right which now. Which was actually a pretty fun throwaway yeah. line, but yeah, I liked, I liked it. it yeah. um, uh, she then remembers they detected two life signs, so uh, this stranger must be protecting somebody, which is a weird assumption to make, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lower their weapons and the creature takes them into the room, revealing uh, the human girl mentioned in Captain Gavin's log. Over at sickbay, there's blood everywhere. Spock asks for supplies to treat a wound on Lieutenant Duke, who did not take potential instabilities into account when entering a Jeffrey's tube. 
And they say Jeffrey's tube, and I keep I like that they keep on talking about Jeffrey's tubes. Mm-hmm. We love a Jeffrey's tube. We, we love our tubes, don't we, folks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're fabulous. <laughs> uh, Sp- uh, Spock doesn't understand why Duke didn't get the supplies himself, and Chapel reminds him that Duke was just promoted and is acting tough. Spock says pride is a flawed human emotion, and that he is thankful for the teachings of Surak as quote. Vulcans don't take pride in logic, which is like the most humble brag bullshit ever. Yeah. That, that is prideful. Like what you just said, dickhead. She should have called him out on that. Yeah. Like, like, oh. Ironic much. I guess we all don't have the same teachings. Yeah. We can't all be taught by Sirach. <laughs> um, so Chapel says, uh, or sorry, Chapel says she's heard Vulcans have a hidden primal nature. Because she wants to get fucked by Spock, like mm-hmm. hard style. Yeah. And Spock can see. Wants to be scared a little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spock can see that Vulcan emotion is dangerous without a proper mindfulness. Uh, Chapel says, it's good to get mad sometimes. And God, I hope Spock doesn't say this in an attempt at humor later in the episode, is what I wrote. I don't think he did. Uh, he did actually, but it wasn't really an attempt at humor. No. Thank, thank God. But he did reuse it. Mm-hmm. It was just so obviously like shoehorned in there that I'm like, they're going to reuse this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that in here, but whatever. Back with Ahura and Hemmer. They're trying to restore power, and Ahura notes that she'll miss Hemmer when she leaves. Hemmer says that's nonsense as people tend to come back around in Starfleet. Ahura is still unsure about her path in life, but resolves to stop coasting. Uh, Hemmer says if she thinks serving in Starfleet is coasting, and she admits that she's not sure. She says she doesn't know where she'll end up, but she's not afraid of facing it alone. Hemmer says he never thought she was afraid of being alone, but rather of putting down roots and commitment. Uh, He says it's better to leave than to be left behind, but more importantly, that creating bonds is a gift. Mm -hmm. And while the people she cared for had capacity to cause her pain... The rewards, the rewards of love far outweigh that possibility, which is actually kind of a good speech. I really like yeah. Hammer's speech, but I'm like, he's such a dickhead usually. Yeah. Why is he suddenly like all fucking fatherly and shit right now? I like it. You know, he's a hard ass with a heart of gold. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that's the, yeah, I was like, oh, wow. I'm really starting to come along to him. Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely. We'll, yeah. we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, back in Sick Bay, Mbenga and Chapel are examining the blue guy and the girl. Uh, the girl identifies herself as Oriana and her companion is Buckley. And, uh, and Mbenga's like, oh, I like that name. And she's like, that's just what I call him. <laughs> like, is that an insult? Like, yeah. Buckley? Like, yeah, but you're saying I like the name. Yeah. I, also, I like the design of the alien. Like, yeah, it was a really cool look. It, you know what? It, it kind of reminded me of like a big blue version of the fucking things on um, uh, Dark Crystal. Mm, big turtle oh, the, guys. This, oh, yeah. Yeah, he was like big and yeah, yeah. turtle bulbousy mm-hmm. with a big blue face. It was yeah, cool. I was kind of thinking of like what is it? A uh, Halo, like the little like grunt alien. Okay, yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit. Of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, combination, but it was it was good character design. Yeah. The costume was really sick. Yeah, he had like a weird like little fish face. Yeah, a bit, kind of a pussy face and you know, a vagina <laughs> face. Yeah, that's Pretty what they don't like about like since they have like a budget. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, their is, makeup know, is sick as hell. Yeah, no. not just like ridges added to a nose. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so right then Laon busts in wanting to know for absolute certain if either of them are infected with Gorn eggs. Benga assures her, but she's still not satisfied asking the castaways why they didn't mention the Gorn eggs when brought on board, which is a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mbenga shuts her down and tells her to leave, uh, his daughter alone mm-hmm. in a weird slip before he realizes what he says is and corrects it to my patient. 
telling her to go be useful somewhere else, which mm-hmm. is like, what are you doing, Mbenga? Like, like she didn't answer the question. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she was like remaining suspiciously silent. Yeah, it's like, and, uh, well, I knew about the eggs, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Lon was getting like a little, <laughs> little mad, and but yeah, I mean, like she was asking. Yeah, that's important a, that, that, questions. That's a valid question, which she's totally <clears throat> justified for later. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, over with Pike in the chief medical officer's office, he confirms the ship is clean and the carnage outside was the end of the violence. Laon then sees that Oriana ha- was reported missing a couple years earlier and postulates that the three castaways were survivors of a Gorn breeding planet, which is, we remember, Laon was trapped on before. Uh, and like uh, her brother sacrificed himself to like save her from him. So the Gorn only harvest their young sporadically. So whatever Gorn was born on the ship is likely alone. She notes, however, the Gorn are still equally lethal outside of a ship. Pike orders a security sweep. Right then, Mbenga enters as Pike is leaving, remarking on how a soprano could sing in E minor, and people associated a feeling with it. However, it's not about the actual music, but how a person's perspective made it emotional, Mm. which is a cool, it was kind of shoehorned in here and I didn't understand exactly why they put it in here, but it was kind of a cool thought, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, La'an says she's not being emotional, but Mbenga insists he was referring to himself for calling Oriana his daughter. Yeah. Mbenga points out the similarities between Oriana and La'an in terms of trauma. La'an admits there's no magic button to surviving. One simply survives, which is actually a callback to, um, oh no, it's not. Never mind. Sorry. Uh, Mbenga says the girl needs someone to help her see the light, mm-hmm. which is fine. Whatever. Uh, this conversation actually made me realize something. Mm. It's kind of both a critique and maybe something that's good about New Trek. Mm. Uh, New Trek is lambasted a bunch for focusing on the inside lives of the crew, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially dealing with trauma. Um, but frankly, that's like something that people weren't ever doing in the 60s or the 90s or even like the early 2000s when Enterprise was coming out. So the focus moving from like uh, political and ethical dilemmas to like internal trauma dilemmas, mm-hmm. I think in a way kind of more reflects a cultural shift overall mm-hmm. than a shift in Trek specifically, mm-hmm. which I think is – I mean there there were some good um... – DS9 episodes revolving around trauma like you're right yeah, yeah. like uh I know your feel I know your feelings on Vic Fontaine I love Vic Fontaine uh, do you uh, Vic, oh. Fontaine's fun. Vic Fontaine is stupid but fun yeah I love Vic Fontaine but one of my favorite episodes is it's only a paper moon oh yeah huh. where um uh Nog you know confronts his mm-hmm. uh post-traumatic stress disorder yeah, and, yeah that's right and you know for losing his leg or yeah I thought that episode was amazing yeah it's just like good. does does like um does the whole like therapy confronting trauma, but in a very like, not like it's not totally direct. Where mm. It's just like, it just comes about, you know, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that when writing this, that is a great, like dealing with trauma episode. You're not, you're not wrong. Yeah. 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 I love that episode. Cause yeah, it's like, cause like Nog at that point, you know, he had just, you know, change, you know, started to change his life and fu- kind of, you know, and kind of felt invincible mm-hmm. and yeah. And, when he gets his leg fucked off yeah, and confronted his own mortality and then he actually feels afraid and, yeah, we love that. Yeah, that yeah, that was, that was good shit. Yeah. yeah, that was a good that was a good episode. Nog, Nog was just a great character. Yeah, I love Nog. Yeah, I mean all all pretty much all the Ferengi work on that show rocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good the show. the Ferengi and and um 
and uh, and and DS9 are yeah. my favorite. Uh, like uh, like Quark, Ram, and Nog. I think they have the best character arcs out of all of Star Trek. Uh, they definitely do. I really like Worf's entire arc. Oh yeah, definitely. Worf's entire arc is super interesting. Worf isn't the best character, mm-hmm. but all of the episodes that happen around him are some of the best episodes of Star Trek, in my opinion. You know, I have a good theory about. I don't know if I want to say this for later, but like what I think Picard season three, like I, I don't think it's going to be Worf based. Interesting. Yeah, I think we talked. Did we talk about it earlier? Where, uh, I brought it up. But yeah. yeah, where we we were. Maybe Worf has to die. And has yes. To yeah. Worf yeah. has to die. Yeah. I yeah. think we talked about that on the last oh, episode. Oh, yeah. 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 Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. It was a long episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, up on the deck, Spock is doing a security sweep. He hears something and follows a noise down to a doorway, whereby he sees a trail of blood leading to a tear in the hole. As he kneels to investigate, a hand touches his shoulder. Mm. It's Pike and Mbenga. They make fun of Spock for being jumpy, which I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, Mbenga. Like, yeah. you know, I didn't realize you were so jumpy. <laughs> I'm like, dude, like, you, this, this, you know the Gorner on the loose. You should be scared, dumbass. <laughs> He's literally following following a giant trail of blood <laughs> into, into oh, a hatch. Oh, oh, you scared of the, oh. the blood and the tear in the hole? You scared of an animal that can tear a spaceship asunder? <laughs> He's like holding a gun at his face. I'm like, oh, you're afraid? <laughs> Pussy! Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you, Mbenga. Yeah, and they're like, and then also, Pike and Mbenga don't even acknowledge the blood trail. No! Like, yeah, yeah, you fucking deal with it. Oh, you're afraid of that, Spock? Oh, yeah. my God. God, are you even qualified for your job? More like sp- sp- pussy. <laughs> Spussy. Spussy. Uh, so, uh, in sickbay, Buckley has several, or so, oh, sorry. In sickbay, Buckley, the blue guy, has severely labored breathing and an elevated heart rate. Chapel notes unusual reddish vein-like protrusions coming across his body. Seeing his distressed state, Oriana knows what is coming and quickly hides behind a nearby wall, putting her hands over her mouth to cover her breathing. While Chia, who we met earlier, she's the one who uh, finished her ensign duties with uh, Ahura, uh, Chia is working under the biobed to calibrate it for a physical. Buckley begins screaming in agony, and a bunch of fluid spills all over the floor. Presumably his sweet, sweet alien semen. <laughs> but then a creature begins That's to... the thing with the Gorn. When they hatch, they give you one brief shining moment of euphoria. And, 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 yeah, and... it's it's like uh, women who are like having a child sometimes like poop and have the best orgasm of their life at the same time. That's exactly what the Gorn do to you mm-hmm. when, when they're hatching. Yeah, that, that we didn't know because we couldn't understand him, but that he was actually, he wasn't captured by the Gorn. He actually sought them out for that experience. <laughs> I want the <laughs> ultimate gasm. Yeah. He's like, it's happening. It's <laughs> happening. <laughs> so it's uh, also why the girl was like, Oh God, and clo- <laughs> co- closed her ears and closed her eyes. So right after that, um, uh, a creature busts straight through his skin, like mm-hmm. fucking uh, face hugger style. Yeah, like, it's not totally obvious yet. This is aliens. <laughs> this is pretty much aliens like, or, or alien. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's actually a little bit of the first three aliens all put mm-hmm. together. But yeah. that's that's fine. They, yeah, like Oriana's from... Newt. Yeah, yeah, you're they right. mostly come at night. <laughs> mostly, very much so. <laughs> 
So as Chia calls for chapel, the hatchling leaps out and slashes right through uh, Chia's throat, killing her instantly, which I got to say, that was kind of sick. I like how they're just like murking red shirts in this. Like (laughs) they are fucking destroying them. Like they're goring them up. And I like that shit. Yeah. I mean, they're just like baby deer where the moment they're born, they can start walking. (laughs) Like they just like when Gorn are born, they just like immediately kill. Yeah. Which (laughs) is sick as fuck. It's just like. So, um, Chapel returns in horror to find Chia's twitching body on the floor as the creatures erupt from Buckley's corpse. Um, yeah, that was sick. Yeah. As hatchlings run through sick bay, Chapel quickly leaps onto a bio bed and activates the containment field. Good idea. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Mbenga treats Duke's burn wound, Kirk remarking on how lucky he was as the conduits in the Jeffrey's tube had a full current. Mbenga concurs, saying he could be amputating. Duke mm. laments on how he nearly loses an arm in his first mission as lieutenant, but Pike assures him that such things could happen. Mm. Just then, two hatchlings leap from the Jeffrey's tube and tear into Duke, killing him. <laughs> and carry such, him off. Such things can happen. Yeah, Pike calls... Like these things that are like three inches tall and they're able to carry the weight of a full man... Of a, of a, it's amazing. Yeah, they just drag his body. <laughs> like, uh, so Pike calls for Sam Kirk to hold him so he can shoot the things off without hitting the lieutenant. But it's too late as his body is dragged, bloody and screaming, down the corridor, mm-hmm. never to be seen again. Uh, even Spock is shaking by shaken by the attack, and Pike tells him to inform the rest of the crew immediately. Which I don't know. Like, they're not communicating with each other. I don't know how how Spock is supposed to. Yeah. Tell like, them, because apparently all of the comms are down mm-hmm. at this point. They're not communicating with each other, because, like, you know, Chapel's not telling people, hey, shit's loose and whatever. Yeah, yeah, she's not immediately sounding the alarm. Which is really weird, right? Yeah. So in sickbay, Chapel urgently whispers for Oriana as she deactivates the shield and gingerly makes her way across the room. She is startled by someone kicking in the door, but it's Laon. The security chief uh, takes in the grisly scene noting four hatchlings coming out of Buckley's body with one dead, leaving three. She notes that they will mature mm-hmm. rapidly and fight for dominance. Yeah. That was a cool scene. Like, like when two of them hatched out of Buckley, like one immediately just like killed the other one. Just like, yeah, it was dope as fuck. Actually. Yeah. Like, and I like the treatment of the Gorn so far. Yeah. But I also like, how does their society work if they're constantly killing each other? Exactly. Like that's how I want <laughs> Like, I mean, yeah, the, the, the Klingons kind of do that, but not yeah. really like there's yeah. still honor and stuff. And these things like don't, they're, they breed entirely for killing and they kill each other. And I don't understand how like they even got warp drive and shit. Yeah, it's and really how they weird. Co- and, and they collaborate on a, on a starship together. Yeah, they, it's like they're like beta fish where you can't they, put them together and immediately they, start fighting. And they also seem like like quadriceps too. They don't seem to have opposable thumbs or anything. So mm. I don't know how they do anything, but whatever. Yeah, I mean there's there's definitely like been those like uh you know, aliens. Like what are the name of those one aliens that they met that didn't have human form in TNG, like the something syndicate? I don't recall, but yeah, because there's just like they're just like a they're just like a bulbous. Yeah, because like uh, yeah, because there was some life that did develop outside of like a uh, uh, humanoid type life because mm-hmm. the humanoid seeds were all planted like at yeah. the beginning of the Big Bang by those mm-hmm. whatever aliens. Yeah, that was weird. What was was that in Voyager? What was that? That was in that was in TNG. Was that in TNG? I, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, 
Yeah, where they meet the, the then that yeah that alien was played by uh, who later played the female changeling. Was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I've got a thing for that female change. The, <laughs> the, the the lady Odo. Mm-hmm. I want to make a hole wherever, wherever oh, she yeah. wants. Oh yeah, she can <laughs> she can just be full of holes. Like, <laughs> can just be a, a whole hole. <laughs> so, um, communications are still down, and the bioscans show the landing party, but no sign of the Gorn, meaning that they can hide from all their sensors. Laon hands Chapel her phaser and tells her to watch the ceilings and shoot anything that moves. Laon gets her laser rifle and says she'll need to search for Oriana, starting with where they found her. They soon discover Oriana hiding behind a crate nearby. Chapel assures Oriana that they were there to keep her safe, but Laon points out that she was safe. She knows that the Gorn hate the cold, and this was the coldest place in the ship. Laon would have hidden in such a place herself in that position. Mm-hmm. Oriana remembers how people before the crew of the Penguin had tricked the Gorn into going outside, but now the Gorn had returned. She is convinced if they leave that room that they will die. Laon remembers her own experience on the Gorn breeding planet and how her brother Manu had told her to run, which we saw in like the the last the Momentum Mori. Mm-hmm. Um, so she tells Oriana that her brother died in the same way that Buckley did and knew what it was like to watch the Gorn hurt people she loved. She says her job was to keep the people she came with safe and believes the crew could do anything, even defeat the Gorn. They're surviving and then there's living, she says, which is actually a callback to what Pike told her on the very first episode of the series. Mm-hmm. Good writing. I like Get that. busy living or get busy dying. Oh, yeah. In engineering, Hemmer and Ahura have completed their repairs with the cadet making it a victory for Team Hemhura, which mm-hmm. is my new ship. I want those two to fuck. <laughs> well. I still want the two to fuck. <laughs> Don't ruin my dreams. No, uh, you, you know, you have your own head cannon, so. Yep, yep. Uh, head cannon, all right. Who's giving him head cannon? Uh, those two, I uh, wrote, those two should definitely fuck, and Hammer should be all nerdy about it, like, I am a genius at fucking. But then he comes after like 20 seconds, because that's how they fuck on Andoria. He's, he's using his antenna. <laughs> too much, too much Umox. Um, uh, Hammer allows Ahura the honor of hitting the relay switch and she brings the power back up. As an alarm sounds, they hear a creature. Hammer is uncertain what it is, but he's able to smell human blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Sick Bay, Sam Kirk is being a little bitch, saying yeah. they should have stayed inside the ship. Uh, <laughs> he's, you know what? With, you know, he's definitely like being the Bill Paxton yeah. character oh, yeah. from, from, from Aliens. <laughs> from yeah, Aliens, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, the game over, man. Game, game over. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he says they would be lizard chow and thinks uh, they should make a run for the shuttles. Spock notes the ice storm has just begun, making it unsafe to leave the ship. Uh, Sam Kirk angrily points out that it wasn't safe inside the ship either, but says they could die nice and warm. Um, Mbenga quietly suggests giving him a sedative, but Pike knows, says that Kirk is tougher than he looks, which is a fucking lie. <laughs> yeah. And, it's like, who are you trying to convince, Pike? <laughs> and uh, plus, he needed everybody on the crew alert. Mm-hmm. Spock is able to access internal comms, and Pike orders a ship-wide channel, informing the others to regroup in sickbay, which is the first time they actually have comms, so why do you actually tell them to, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, back in engineering. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, back in engineering, one of the Gorn hat hatchlings leaps through, only to be killed and devoured by one of the other, now much larger, hatchlings. Ahura tells Hemmer to make a run for it. Hemmer senses the Gorn looking towards Ahura and pushes her out of the way as it spits, taking a big load of acid all over his shit. Mm-hmm. Right Another there. alien thing mm-hmm. from aliens. Yeah, it's like That's true. Acid yeah. spit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, damn it. <laughs> He's an alien, <laughs> shit. Uh, right then, Laon shows up and misses the Gorn, which is like 10 feet away from her. She yeah. shoots at it, and it misses, and she's like right there. Yeah. They're not in the hallway. They're in a room. Yeah, like, yeah, she had a she had a very very clear shot and missed. She's, and she's a head security officer. Laon is fucking incompetent. Yeah. Dude. She needs to get fired. Well, it's kind of like how Worf was always, like, you know, yeah, security Worf officer. But, but he never won a fight. Like, never. They, well, they always just used him as a way of showing, like, how tough the aliens are. How strong something is, yeah. Yeah. He didn't win fights, really, until, like, he was in that Jim Hadar pit. Yeah, yeah. Not until <laughs> DS9 is, like, yeah. strong Worf, who's also mm. a lot more chill, but, like, TNG Worf is fucking incompetent and mm-hmm. kind of a little baby. <laughs> like, yeah. And he's always like, let's kill them. And they're like, oh, shut up, Worf. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if we wanted your opinion, we would have, oh, I guess we did promote you. Fuck. Um, <laughs> so the Gorn actually looked pretty sick in this episode. Yeah, I like them. I was wondering how they were going to make them look, you know, upgraded from the, you know, TOS. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good CGI. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously trying to very loosely fit the image of the Gorn from TOS, but I mean, yeah. you know. They, yeah, they look like iguanas. Almost. Yeah, like, yeah they're, they're definitely like lizard things. Mm-hmm. And at this point in their maturity, they're not bipedal yet. So yeah. I don't know if they become bipedal, but I yeah. hope so. Because I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I thought we were going to see like fully grown Gorn. Maybe we will. Yeah, I'm we sure we will. They they seem to maybe be like the big bad of the series. Yeah, they do. You know the 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 Borg to TNG and the mm-hmm. Borg to Voyager and the. Uh... <laughs> now, I also have a fun fact for the neck for the next you know for Q who like I found out reading the Internet Movie Database. Well, yeah, well, share. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. Um. So, um, Act Three. Manga consults the Peregrine's medical logs showing a post-mortem on one of the Gorn. Spock notes the Gorn's genetic makeup allowed them to hide from their sensors, which is why Mbenga had not detected the eggs inside Buckley. Now, is that, like, a purposeful mutation? I don't know. That's like, a great question. Like, was that done, like, were they genetically engineered for that? Or was that just, is that just, like, a natural thing? Like, kind of like... That, that might be an interesting way to interesting plot point like if the Gorn were created by somebody that yeah. would be super in- like as as like a Jem'Hadar type warrior like fighting mm-hmm. thing yeah. for them but then it got out of control and overtook a human which would actually explain how they got warp drive actually yeah. that would be good writing you yeah. know what I think you just wrote season two at the yes. Strange New Worlds yeah let's fucking give me $20,000 20, 20,000 <laughs> that's it I, I... <laughs> it costs it costs some 8 million an episode <laughs> to make this you think 20 they, uh, they spend more on boots per episode than 30, 20 grand. 30 million? 30, I mean, $30,000? <laughs> yeah, that's better. Yeah. yeah okay, okay. Well, you can have 30. Um, I don't know. I don't know my own worth. <laughs> um, so, uh, Pike asks if there was anything from Buckley's bioscans that they could use, but Mbenga isn't even sure what species he was. Mm-hmm. However, he does know the incubation cycle of the Gorn depended on the species of the host it was growing in with Orions taking weeks and humans taking days. Spock also notes the ducks in the Gorn's mouth could expel venom. Hemmer enters at that moment, confirming this and saying it burns 
quite tremendously. Spock mm. thinks uh, it a method to blind their prey, something uh, that uh, uh, Hammer says makes him uh, not the best target, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pike knows Hammer has rules about telepathy, but asks him if he could apply it to an enemy who's trying to eat them. Hammer says that if he could, he would, but the Gorn have also blocked themselves from psychic abilities. Another thing that must have been genetically engineered. Right? Like, they, they thought of everything. Yeah, because how, like, so they're completely undetectable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but then then again, weren't they, like, scanning for Gorn life signs, too, when they went? Didn't they? Maybe not. But also, like... But also, like in the other uh, in the previous episode with the Gorn, like they could. Where does that mean? Like if they scan the ship, they nothing, wouldn't. Nothing yeah. would show up. It's a great question. I have no idea. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't really. I, I don't remember them scanning the Gorn ship. But yeah, that's a, yeah. Maybe I should go back and watch that episode. Yeah. And like, get really mad and try to get someone fired. <laughs> Actually, uh, <laughs> so. Uh, Spock considers this, uh, their masking of their, you know, being scanned impressive, much like their genetic coding. Sam Kirk is pissed as hell about this, uh, about ana- uh, Spock's analytical observations because he's a big fucking soy boy. Yeah. And he's uh, doing the full Paxton freak out. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I'm freaking out, man. <laughs> yeah. Fucking he's like, oh, you just stand there and you can't, don't feel anything, man. Yeah. Come on, man. Are you, you, does that not hit you at all? Or are you just some kind of pointy aired computer? You're just a pointy aired computer, man. What's with you? Yeah. And Pike's like, well, that's enough of that. Well, now that <laughs> that's done, uh, yeah. let's focus on this fucking mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hammer reports that the navigation systems were the only thing left to restore, meaning their mission was more or less complete. All that was left now was dealing with the Gorn, and Pike asks Laon for a tactical analysis. She notes the hatchlings have begun molting, but <laughs> were not fully mature yet. With two left, they would be the strongest, the smartest, and extremely hostile to each other. She is em- uh, empathic that no matter what, they had to kill the hatchlings now, as they had no chance even against one adult. Unless you do the double punches. Unless, yeah, unless you do the Kirk, like, <laughs> fucking the Polish hammer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just gotta fucking wrestle that thing. Oh, maybe that's gonna show, like, this is going to lead to the um, the creation of the Polish hammer as as a as a standard uh, attack for all Starfleet officers. Yeah, it's, it's oh, that'd that. be amazing. Like, Pike's watching, like, old fucking uh, Macho Man Randy Savage videos. He's <laughs> like, you know what? This, this attack, it just seems so efficient and, yeah. like, devastating. I think I could... I think I could use this <laughs> or at least I'll tell an upcoming captain. Mm-hmm. There's, there's going to be a scene where they're like sort of doing like a, a, uh, a martial arts training where there's one, there's like the, the teacher is just doing like the Polish hammers <laughs> back and forth. And then there's, there's like all the Starfleet officers also wearing like their geese and just like also doing the Polish hammers. It's, like it's, we can now defeat the Gorn. It's like fucking uh Worf's karate class. But yeah. It's just that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. Uh, So Pike sees the crew's ability to work together as an advantage against the Gorn. Mega points out that the younglings were too fast to hunt, so they needed to create a choke point to trap them. Laon knows they are intelligent even at that stage, so a simple trap could not fool them. Chapel asks how they were supposed to hunt them, and Ahura suggests that they had to make the Gorn come to them. Both Laon and Spock concur, with Spock calling it very logical. Laon knows that the Gorn are drawn to aggressive behavior and can't resist a challenge, which is kind of weird. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, great. Now we're bait. Yeah. Sam Kirk says. Oh, great. Now we're bait. Great oh, idea, we're, man. Yeah, we're going to be lizard chill, guys. <laughs> Uh, the, the He's corn, going full Paxton. Is awesome. Yeah. The Gorn <laughs> avoid the cold, so Laon suggests using the environmental controls to draw the Gorn to where they wanted them. Pike approves and puts the crew to work. Pike and Mbenga, the latter with Oriana on his back, enter the Peregrine's bridge, with Mbenga putting Oriana in the captain's chair. Pike uses his command codes to take control of the ship's systems with his code 246810. Uh, which is kind of funny to me. And Mbenga asks, you still haven't changed that? Which is a fun little throwaway comedy thing. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the uh, the code for uh, the Enterprise. Oh, yeah. That's like 30 <laughs> things yeah. long that fucking yeah. evil data fucking puts in or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so uh, the temperature begins to decrease a- across the ship, except for a warm oasis in one of the cargo bays where Spock and Hammer are waiting. Spock asks Hammer... Uh, sorry, Spock asks if Hemmer is okay with what he must do. Hemmer says that he will not be the one to kill the Gorn, but will do what he must to protect the lives of his crew. Elsewhere, Chapel asks if Laon is all right, and the security chief replies that uh, there was nothing else she wanted to do than fight and kill the Gorn. In a corridor, Uhura reports, Game On is one of the Gorn spots her. She fires a shot to attract its attention and breaks into a run. Mm-hmm. This is very uh, alien cubed scene. Where very, very alien to the third. Yes, where they're they're leading the uh, xenomorph into the. Uh, Which honestly, I I contend, Alien Cubed is a good film. I love. Yeah, I like, like it a the, lot. The first three aliens are fucking good, dude. Yeah. Like. Like David Fincher, I mean, it's the darkest alien mm-hmm. film, even darker than the first one, which is hard to do. Yeah. But it's fucking like, it's aesthetically really cool. Mm-hmm. The storyline, like, I think the ending killed it for a lot of people. Yeah. But like, it's a sick film. No, I, yeah, I liked it a lot. I think like a lot of people had problems with the fact that originally it was going to be much bigger where it was like the xenomorphs were going to go to earth. Right. Right. This was but much they didn't smaller need that. Scale. Yeah. No. They, they didn't need that. Like, no, I, I like I like it because he also kind of like world building where it's like, okay, they have like these self-contained prison colonies where they all work together. Right. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah, it's super interesting. It's, it's more like, you know, like ghost of Mars, which yeah. I still contend is kind of sick. Yeah. And yeah. Like the ghost of Mars. Yeah. Ghost, ghost of Mars. Ghost of Mars. I like ghost of Mars. <laughs> John Carpenter's ghost of Mars. Oh my god. That that film kind of rocks, dude. <laughs> Go back and watch it and and know that he he was trying to make it campy. I, Once you I, understand he was intentionally trying to make it campy, like, you know, fucking a uh 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 escape from LA type thing. Yeah. Like it it is then surprisingly good. I watched it last year and mm-hmm. took a lot of notes because it was for a podcast <laughs> that I never did, but mm-hmm. like it's pretty good. Like it's pretty cool. I go back and watch it. It's corny. Yeah. And it's it's campy. Spends a lot of time on that train. It does. Uh, I love the train <laughs> scenes, dude. The train scenes rock. Like an LL Cool J is the, the end. That when he's when they're just like oh, the aliens are here and then like, <laughs> yeah, fucking fuck everything, man. It's uh, great. Yeah. yeah, go go back. Agree to disagree. Go, go back. <laughs> watch it. <laughs> watch it. Um. So, uh, Pike detects the Gorn going into the vent system. Oh, actually, I, I skipped a little bit there. Uh, so after Ahura fires off a shot to attract its attention, she breaks into a run. Pike is monitoring her progress and blasts cold air into the transport room just as Sam Kirk seals the door. Kirk remarks how Ahura was really good at everything. 
which is kind of soy, but not mm. a soy's Pike's thing earlier. Yeah. Fucking station wagon bullshit. <laughs> Pike detects the Gorn going into a vent system and warns Spock, who is armed with Buckley's stun stick. He gets loose several bursts to try to get its attention, but it does not respond. Why was he using the stun stick? I don't know. Whatever. He, <laughs> it's like, it's not, it's not something he knows how to use well, obviously. No, it's he, not. They just gave him, like, he, he doesn't have his, another phaser? Yeah, didn't he have, and they're, they're handing out, like, all the rifles. Rifles, yeah, they have rifles and phasers, and he's like, no, no, I want, I want this weapon I've never seen before. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm going to use that one. Like, what, <laughs> what the fuck, Spock? You're not, that's not logical. That's no. straight up not logical. Well, yeah, you like use a weapon that you don't have any familiarity with and mm-hmm. use that instead of like the weapon that you've literally been trained on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, Lawn hits him with a comms and says, uh, make it angry. Uh, he thinks of seeing Duke pulled into, uh, pulled screaming down the corridor and thinks to himself, the rage in my thoughts I let into my heart. Then begins shouting his in fury as he blasts through the vent coverings to get its attention. I thought this was actually a super clever way of getting Spock to show emotion. Yeah. Because it was kind of like the most logical course for what he had to do mm-hmm. to fight the Gorn, which I was like, okay, yeah. you know what? I'll take that. It's a lot better than him fucking punching that Vulcan criminal that one episode. Yeah. When he was to pring and mm-hmm. Spock amok. Um, anyway. So Pike picks up the sound of the two of them and Hammer warns that they were trying to box Spock in. Blinded by rage, Spock is pulled inside before the door is closed and uh, before the door is closed and by Kirk. And then he grabs Kirk by the collar about to attack him before he returns uh, to lucidity out of his rage. Uh, Trapped, the two Gorn begin turning on each other to find which one is the Alpha Mm -hmm. or the Sigma, like um, Keanu Reeves. Mm -hmm. The Keanu Reeves of Gorn. Yeah, Sigma mindset. A grind set, yeah. The grind set, yeah. Sigma Gorn set. (laughs) (laughs) Like like the, the Sigma wins just by like, you know buying some crypto on his phone (laughs) (laughs) he's like uh yeah i uh i just hacked both of your nfts bro sigma life by the way i could smash pussy but i choose not to (laughs) (laughs) and the elf was like what do i do and then just like kills himself (laughs) it's like and lahan's like we've got a problem the sigma one He's too powerful. He's the rarest kind. The rarest kind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... um, Trapped, the two Gorn began to turn on each other. Uh, Lawn says that only the Alpha will win, and she tells Hemmer she is coming his way and steps back into the corridor. Tossing aside her phaser, Lawn begins shouting a challenge at the Gorn, saying she was unarmed and demanding that it come out and fight her. Uh, the Gorn begins charging at her, and Lon breaks off running towards the cargo bay. Hemmer has secured himself in one of the cargo pods, while Laon leaps into another and closes the hatch. As the Gorn tries to break through the glass door, she shouts at Hemmer to, Do it now! And the chief engineer activates the environmental protocol, blasting the Gorn with super cold air. Mm-hmm. And killing it, even though he's a pacifist. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, like I brought up, like, it's, like he said, like, I won't kill it, you know. But But I'll do what I have to do to protect my crew by maybe killing it. By, yeah, it's like, just like, you know, if you pointed a gun at someone and shot them, like, that's what he did. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, so is that, so how's that? How's that? So, uh, Lon emerges from the ice encased pod and finds the Gorn frozen solid. Screaming in rage, he picks up an iron bar from the deck and smashes the frozen Gorn, destroying it. 
The crew is glad to hear the news that it was over as Hammer emerges from the pod a moment later, looking much worse for the wear. Laon realizes it was not over, and so does Hammer, who says he's going to go outside for a moment. While he was not able to sense them, Hammer knows his own body well enough and knows he has been infested with Gorn eggs. Also, why didn't Laon bring this up? What? That the fact that he because she knew he was hit with the acid that that's carries true that carries that's a the very eggs. good question yeah because yeah she like she's knows the, she's, the, well. she's the Gorn expert she knows wow, that, that he, Dick move on yeah what the fuck lady? I mean and she she's like I know you're gonna die but you're still useful you're still useful but also yeah. at the same time um he's a ticking clock he he's a ticking clock but the Gorn eggs mature based on their host body and she has no idea what his race how long it takes because it takes weeks for Orion's. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, days for humans and apparently like an hour. Yeah, for Andorian. Yeah. But like, still, that's like something that she should have brought up to probably. everybody. Cause probably. It, because like as security chief, she has to like, you know, cover Keep all the bases. Secure. Yeah. Keep things secure. Uh-huh. And like, oh, by the way, we potentially could have four more Gorn um, just waiting and Hemmer. Yeah. And, and now she brings it up long. <laughs> Knows that the <laughs> yeah. spit that hit him was more than just venom. She says, it's how they reproduce. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. uh, so he so, just got bukkakied. Yeah. He, I mean, he, yeah, just, I mean, one big cum shot. He just like, yeah. he just got a big old cum shot right all over his face. He did. And impregnated in his chest or something, which is like, I'm so glad that that's not how reproduction works. Cause I would have <laughs> so many fucking children, <laughs> so many children. It's kind of like fish, you know, where like the, like the, like the, the oh, they just sperm all over the eggs and leave. Yeah. <laughs> they just blast alone in the water and hope for the best and <laughs> just bukkake the and eggs. Die. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good old salmon. We love you, salmon. Like, that's the sickest shit ever. Like, you blow your load one time in life and then die. <laughs> like, whoa, dude. God, I wish it were me. Yeah, me I wish I were a salmon. <laughs> uh, so, Chapel calls for Pike to open the door, but the captain is unable to do so. Hemmer has overridden the door controls to prevent anyone from stopping him. Mbenga and Chapel plead with him to let the, uh, to extract the eggs or slow the growth process, but Hemmer knows it has already started and they all know what's coming. They could have put him in the pattern buffer. They could have put him in the pattern. That's not a bad <laughs> idea. I mean, it's, it's free now. They don't have anybody in there. Yeah. I mean, do you think they destroyed the pattern buffer after well, that? Well, this is also the different, the, um, <laughs> the other ship. Oh, that's but, true. But they still probably have the same thing. Yeah, I mean, but this ship barely works. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, um, Pike urges him to reconsider, but Hammer replies that his sacrifice would allow for him to preserve the lives of the crew. Spock quietly says this is a logical conclusion, and Hammer raises his hand in a Vulcan salute, telling his friend to live long and prosper. And Spock was about to be like, oh, wait, no. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> you can't really do either of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, d- d- die easy now. Uh, Ahura now adds her voice to those begging him to reconsider. Hammer offers her one last piece of advice, saying, open yourself. Make a home for yourself among others, and you will find joy more often than sadness. He tells her not to weep for him, as he's had a good life, but it was time for him to go. As they're all forced to watch... Hemmer steps outside of the cargo bay's force field, reveling one last time in the familiar cold air, just like Andoria, he says as he turns, and then steps backward off the edge, 
down into the chasm. Alien 3 ending. And straight up, so <laughs> I, I asked you this. I've thought about it again, and I'm still sticking with this. The the Gorn can survive outside. She said... Uh, but, they, but not the cold. I mean, we don't know that... I mean, they can survive outside, maybe not in an ice storm, but maybe mm. down in the chasm. There's not an ice storm going on down there. We can see that it's clear. Mm. And the Gorn, the girl said, went outside and came back inside. Yeah. And so they can survive outside. Yeah. So and maybe plus, he's dooming this planet to be filled with Gorn. But it seems like it, there's no other life on the planet, though. That's true. That's true. So he, I mean, he that, just, that they know of. So he was just being like a chasm, just being well, like, there's a spraying his sperm everywhere and nothing <laughs> but, but, but Laon um, did say, you know, maybe local wildlife. So they don't know for uh, sure yeah. that there's not wildlife Yeah, there. he could just be like sperming on like. The deer and shit. The deer. <laughs> <laughs> Making more. And then like there's a whole army of Gorn, but they're trapped though. Like there's no spaceship. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. I mean, there was a spaceship. Well, they mm-hmm. took it with them at the end. Yeah, they did. Yeah. That's true, but I mean, still, I mean, they could populate a planet, and, yeah. you know, and, and and fucking maybe like evolve to enjoy the cold, and then they'll have two Gorn to contend with—one <laughs> that's a hot Gorn and one that's a cold Gorn. But then they just go up. To, then those two Gorn go up and start spraying more sperm on the other <laughs> thing. So then they yeah, then it makes a perfect Gorn that can like survive yeah. any weather. So like, does that mean like the Gorn that do cohabitate are all alphas? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Which I don't really understand. How, so do, they, how do they fly? Is, is only one person in each ship? I don't, are yeah, one like, Gorn? <laughs> or maybe, maybe they are like beta fish where they all have their own like individual glass cases. <laughs> <laughs> and so they see each other like, oh, fuck you, fuck, fuck you. you. All right, all right, I'm going to fly the ship. <laughs> fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> They're like banging against it, trying to kill each other. But like, they're just like, oh, if I wasn't in this glass cage, I'd kill you and be the alpha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they're all they're all betas. They're, they're all, all betas. betas yeah, so. beta fish. Yep. What's what that's the name for him? Am I thinking? Uh, aren't they uh, not ghost fish? Are they? No. Um, fucking, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they're the Chinese fish. Yeah, uh, fight, fighting fish, right? Fighting fish. But yeah, they have some other. I can't remember. Um. So, uh, later the Enterprise leaves orbit of Vallejo Beta Four. The Penegreen in tow is a memorial service is held for the lost. Uh, the three lost crewmen, but they only talk about Hammer. They literally <laughs> yeah. only talk about Hammer. No yeah. one mentions anyone They're else. They're like, uh, that person who, uh. Yeah. So Ortega's remarks on how she f- hates funerals and that even uh, that if Hammer were there, he would remind them it was a celebration. Exalt the fallen and commit them to the cosmos. Uh, then he would have scolded Ortega's for pushing the engines too hard and she would call him a blue meanie, and they'd laugh. And the blue meanie is a reference that no one will get at this no. point in time. It is a reference to either uh, the blue meanies were the villains on Yellow Submarine by mm-hmm. the Beatles, and it was also a wrestler in the WWE mm-hmm. in the 1980s and 90s. Yeah. No one is going to... Uh, uh, I'm the only one yeah. who remembers that <laughs> reference like in the city I'm living in right now. Mm-hmm. Like No one is going to remember that reference in the fucking 200 years in the future, 250. Plus, I would have liked more like if if Ortegas and um, Hemmer had had more interactions with each other yeah, on yeah, screen. Yeah, because she's eulogizing a guy who she's spoken to maybe once or twice yeah. on screen, which is kind of it's, Yeah, it should be like the um, you know show, don't tell. Yeah. Like, like you know, you want to see that. And so like 
her speech had a little bit more impact or something. Yeah, because her speech came off almost like the beginning of uh, uh, the beginning episode of, two. I was going to say yes, <laughs> yes. Where ha, 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 uh, yes, uh, you remember that time Obi Wan when I saved, saved you? you. <laughs> yes. We yeah. are best friends. We are best friends, <laughs> aren't we, Anakin? Yes, we are, Obi Wan. We've had many adventures yeah. together. That's how that's how it felt when yeah, Ortegas was talking about. It. I'm like, oh, okay, like yeah, I don't. Not sure. I can't recall. I literally can't recall any like you guys t- talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so she Ortega's calls him the best engineer she ever served with. Mm-hmm. Ahura admits she never told him this, but he reminded her of her father, always pushing her to see things from a new perspective, and also dead now too. Mm-hmm. As she speaks, Chapel sees Spock's hand clenching into fists. Trying to maintain his emotions. In the Arnold meme. Yes, very much the Arnold <laughs> meme. Uh, or the uh, the cover to Saint Anger. <laughs> uh, the people... He, he just... Spock runs out and he starts listening to Metallica. He's just <laughs> like, like Fran, tick, 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 talk. So, uh, says, uh, the people you love the most can cause you the most pain, but it's the people you love that can mend your heart when you feel broken, says Ahura. Adding that... This was Hammer, uh, adding that this was what Hammer's purpose was, to fix the broken. And he did. Spock abruptly leaves, and Chapel follows soon after. Chapel sees Spock punch one of the walls in the corridor, denting the fuck out. It's a metal yeah. wall, and he dents it. Yeah, he was, like, going, he was going wild on it. Because in the future, there is no sheetrock for white men to punch. <laughs> um, no drywall for them to just, like, yeah, just destroy. yeah. I mean, when they have hollow suites, then they start making hollow suite drywall. Yeah, it'd be awesome if he was just like computer <laughs> create drywall, play Lincoln Park, <laughs> crawling in my skin. <laughs> well, he's just punching drywall. Yeah, just... computer play the Joker. No, no, the Todd Phillips one. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm a little bit twisted. Uh, when um. When Chapel tries to understand what's wrong, uh, Spock warns her not to follow him. And when she tries to stop him, he grasps her wrist before realizing that he's being a little too rough. He admits he has let out his rage and pain, cannot control it, saying his mind was weak. Chapel disagrees, and she's obviously very wet right now. <laughs> uh, saying it did not make him weak, it made him human. Mm-hmm. And then she hugs him. Yeah. She's it, like, I, I can fix you. Yeah. They look into each other's eyes for a moment, longingly, before Spock walks away. Yeah. They should have made out. I mean, they're probably going to make out next episode. Well, they already made out in that one episode. Oh, yeah. Pirate, but I mean, so. for real. Yeah. Though. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. In Pike's quarters, Laon reports uh, she has found a lead on Oriana's families, one that she admits is weak and is also outside of Federation space. Pike can see she wants to pursue it anyway. Lawn admits she knows what it was like to be alone and wants to help if there was anyone out there looking for her. Pike warns her that a mission like that could take time. Then Lawn formally requests a leave, excuse me, a leave of absence, saying he could decommission her if he wanted, but she felt she had to go where the clues took her. Mm. That's, that's going to be a very dangerous mission. That, yeah, that's going to be sick as fuck, actually, if they actually play it out. I mean, they yeah. could make that a cool, like, one-episode arc. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, but like, I think it could actually be But, sick. like, in, in, in sort of, yeah, I mean, in, in the parts where they're kind of, like, 
not really known space to them. Yeah, yeah. Non-Federation space is, I mean, you know, it's like Voyager. Like, there's a lot of cool shit you can do with it. Yeah, and also lots of dangerous stuff. And, like, and just going to be her and little kid. Yeah, and I hope she just meets the trash people. And then they're like, (laughs) we're dumping trash in space. And she's like, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So what? It's space. (laughs) Yes. Janeway's like, no, we must blow them up. Like, why? (laughs) It's space. Yeah. Literally, where else are you going to put trash? (laughs) (laughs) Like, all we do is put trash up in space. There's so many, like, satellites and everything. Right. Uh, Pike asks if it would have made a difference if he said no, but assures her he will square her leave with Starfleet. And then asks, regardless of how long it took to return. Mm -hmm. She asks him, uh, sorry, she addresses him first by rank saying, Captain, and she goes, Chris, and then thanks him for everything. And he just nods. Back on the bridge, we join Ahura, her eyes lingering for a moment on the comm station. Mm-hmm. Cut to fucking credits. Boom. What do you think of this episode? I liked it. I liked it a lot, too. Yeah. It was, it was probably one, one of my favorite episodes this season. Mm-hmm. Like this and Memento Mori, mm-hmm. uh, which was the other Gorn episode, both sick. I also yeah. really liked, um, you know, uh, Take Us, We're Suffering, whatever, the mm-hmm. one with the kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this, this is pretty good. Yeah. Pretty yeah. fucking good. I mean, there's definitely a, like... Very obvious callbacks to like, or not callbacks, but references to Alien and the yeah. Alien franchise. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like, but like, you know what? Steal from the best. Yeah, steal from the best. Steal from the best. And it, it wasn't so much that I'm like, oh, this is just Alien. I'm like, yeah. this is Alien in Star Trek, <laughs> yeah. which is works works for me. And mm-hmm. like the way they played it up, I really liked how they ended Hammer. Uh, yeah, same. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I actually, I, I admit. I cried the first time that happened. I'm like, um, oh, shit. I was getting a little verklempt. I was yeah. getting a little choked up. I was like, you know, grew, starting to grow to like him. And then. Yeah. I I, I had a good Eichwitz. Uh, Eichwitz. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah but, sad uh, to see him go. I mean. Yeah. I, I'd give this episode probably eight out of five out of ten. It was good. It was good. Yeah. It was it was really effective space horror, which is mm-hmm. something they were never really able to do on any of the good classic Trek nah. because of technology limitations yeah, and, you know, budget limitations. But like there was one episode of uh discovery. I thought actually did space horror really well. The one with the, uh, the troglodyte or whatever. Do you remember that? Oh, the, um, the, the, the water bear. Yeah. The water bear. Yeah. 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 When it was like all blown up and shit. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty cool episode. Yeah. I really like that. And I, I like space horror a lot Yeah, and it can be done very effectively in Trek because there's a lot of terrifying things. Like mm-hmm. they could straight, they could have with the technology made the Borg a lot more terrifying oh, yeah. and effective, but mm-hmm. you know, we, they did great with what they had, which was just a bunch of fucking like conduit tubing and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there is that one episode in TNG, like I can't remember the name of it, but it's the Jordy episode where there's the mimic that they, they and and it's the mim, it's mimicking the the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it's like a Jordy, and Jordy falls in love with that um that girl, and there's kind of like an implication it could be the girl that's the mimic, but it turns out it's the dog, just like in Thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, I should have been fucking the dog. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no Jordy. No not Jordy. again. Come on. I know it's hard for you, but it's just... it's hard all right. Uh, so hard. It's like yeah, just we prescribe some holodeck time for you. Go into the go into the porno booth. <laughs> Holodog. Holodog. <laughs> Your every wanton desire. <laughs> Darkest most wanton desire is granted in the holodeck. <laughs> 
Speaking of our uh, most darkest, most wanton desire, I think it's time for a Klingon word of the day. All right. The day is Mobek, meaning I lose. <laughs> uh, used in a sentence, one might say, I just watched Picard season two, <laughs> Movek. Uh, Movek. Or uh, perhaps, Movek, a lot of cum from my balls whenever <laughs> I watch a DS9 Klingon episode. <laughs> you know what? I wish, at times like this, I wish I finished, like, I doubt I had the Duolingo. Oh, Klingon. For Klingon. Yeah. I never... I was like, what's the point? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> why am you, I learning this? <laughs> yeah. Do you really want to talk with the people who actually know Klingon and have put in that time? No. Because, I mean, there's a lot of cool Star Trek nerds and a lot of cool, like, nerdy Star Trek nerds and committed mm-hmm. Star Trek nerds, but, like. Yeah. You ever see that movie, uh, Please Stand By? I did not know. It has, uh, there's a, like, uh, the, the, I think it was it L Fanning. I can't remember her name. Like, uh, but she's like obsessed with Star Trek. She wants to submit a Star Trek script. Yeah. And, um, but there's a scene where she's kind of, kind of freaking out and Patton Oswalt is a cop and he has to speak and she's speaking Klingon. She's having a freak out and mm-hmm. he knows Klingon and. <laughs> Patton Oswalt does not know Klingon in real life. I can guarantee you. No. Should... Patton Oswalt is cool, but like. <laughs> Not that uncool. <laughs> no, but yeah, that's the the only practical application Very I've true. ever seen of Klingon. All right, uh, and with the Klingon word of the day being done, would you like to talk about the optional episode of Trek we watched? Yes, I would. Yeah, so um, we uh, went ahead and used a random number generator uh, to find uh, what episode of Trek we would watch, and uh, we came on the episode uh, or the number one forty seven, which in run order is going to be. Season 2, Episode 16 of Star Trek The Next Generation. Generation Season 2, Episode 16, Q-Who. When we found out that this was a random episode we got, I got so happy. (laughs) This is one of my very favorite episodes of Star Trek. I love all of the TNG Star Trek, or sorry, all of the TNG Q episodes, but this is a TNG Q episode Mm -hmm. and a TNG Borg episode, the first first. of Borg episodes. The first time we even see the Borg on the show, Mm -hmm. which is fucking sick. I love the Borg. They're like, they're just my favorite thing in Star Trek, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, this one was originally released on May 8th, 1989, uh, and written by Maurice Hurley, who wrote 12 other episodes of TNG, or 11 other episodes of TNG, mm-hmm. and directed by Rob Bowman, uh, who is also, on this episode, the voice of the Borg. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he also wrote uh, 12 other episodes of TNG. Mm-hmm. So so two uh, two veterans here. Cool. Yeah. So we start out and 
New Ensign Sonia Gomez orders a hot chocolate from a replicator in engineering, which, okay. It's a bad place for a replicator. Also, who's, I mean, what adult drinks hot chocolate (laughs) on the job? Yeah. That's unfucking hinged. Have you, I mean, imagine, imagine a guy comes in to your, to your fucking welding shop holding yeah. a mug of hot chocolate. What would you say? I'd be like, well, like, yeah, what are you doing? Like, I mean, I obviously have my, I bring my, you know, my coffee. Yeah. Have some coffee or something. Yeah. But, but hot chocolate is, is strictly like a, a something <laughs> If you're an adult, you drink at a ski lodge. Mm-hmm. Or there's booze if, in it. Yeah. Or there's booze in it. Or, you know, your IQ is fucking Forrest Gumpish. <laughs> like, there's no, like, like normal adults don't just drink no. hot chocolate at work. I, and that's the thing. That's why they had to make mochas. Because, that's, that's true. Because, like, you know, people were like, you know, that secretly want a hot chocolate. They were just like, well, what if I have hidden coffee? Which, which brings me to my, my next point. Decaf mochas are hot chocolate with a coffee <laughs> flavoring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They is, shouldn't exist. It should no, just be a hot chocolate. Yeah, or or they should be like, we're not going to put decaf coffee in your hot chocolate. No. Mess. Like, just take the hot chocolate, just suck it up, or get a real fucking coffee. Like, yeah, I think, yeah, decaf in, uh, itself, I think, is a sin against nature. I, so. I keep a little bit just in case I want, like, coffee with cheese or dessert. Oh, yeah. Because okay. I, I drink real coffee every day. But, yes. like... So decaf does have its place if you just want a flavor of coffee, but don't want mm-hmm. the caffeine. So it's good for cooking too. Yeah, I can um, see that. But, but I mean like drinking it, people who drink decaf in the morning, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why? You don't want caffeine. <laughs> you just want like the okay taste of coffee. Mm-hmm. Like coffee's not the best tasting beverage out there. No. I have to do energy drinks. I mean, I get up at 3 a.m., mm-hmm. so I have to do, like, an energy drink and yeah. then, like, a whole pot of coffee, basically, just to, get, pots. just to get even. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, are not, you are not a hot chocolate adult. I am not a hot chocolate adult. I mean, if I was, yeah, like, holidays, I guess. Like, or Hot chocolate adults, like, they should be required to, like, wear helmets, right? They're, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're obviously a danger to themselves. Yeah, it's not someone I would trust in engineering. No. I, I, I'd be like, okay, no. I'm, I'm literally holding my life in your hands. Yeah, like, you should maybe work in comms. Yeah. Like, you can press the put it on the view screen button, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but, the sec- but the second part of that, just also being unhinged, is it's, like, around all their vital, the vital components. It's literally next to the... Next to the engine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the warp core. And like, and you are just having like this child's beverage. Yeah. <laughs> just, and, and as we see, you know, not the most secure child's no, beverage. No, no, no. So, <laughs> <sighs> well, while she's drinking her hot chocolate, Jordy LaForge comes by and the two converse. Uh, LaForge noting Gomez's polite manners towards the replicator because she says, please and thank you to it. <laughs> Uh, Gomez, Again. Yeah, Gomez <laughs> wonders why not and explains she does it as the replicator is listed under intelligent circuitry, which I think, how is she in engineering? <laughs> really? Like, th- this person has a child's view of linguistics and computers. Yeah. Like, come on, lady. Come on. You know, and that's probably why they never they used her in one other episode, and we never saw her again. She probably she probably went to an airlock and actually <laughs> shot herself out of it. <laughs> Someone uh, put like "open me" on it as a joke, and she's just like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after all, she notes, uh, working with so much artificial intelligence can be dehumanizing, 
And she combats this with using simple courtesy, which is like, mm. how dumb are you, lady? <laughs> like, this is like thanking your car for starting. What the fuck are you doing? Uh, as the two like wa- clapping when the movie's over. <laughs> or the plane lands, she said. <laughs> clapping when the fucking ship docks. Like, yeah. oh, we did it. Yay. Well, we're in uh, yeah, Deep Space 4. Great. Yay. Uh, fucker. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, as the two walk to main engineering, uh, LaForge urges the talkative and enthusiastic Gomez to relax. After arriving, he notes to her that she is carrying food and drink in the premises of engineering, which is forbidden. Why do they have a replicator there? Yeah, yeah. What are they gonna? What do they expect that's gonna happen? <laughs> I know that no one uses the replicator because they know they're not supposed to have food there. Don't put a replicator in engineering. I mean, unless it's supposed to be a replicator that's that was supposed to be strictly for like. That's, yeah, for not food and stuff. Or, like, but, maybe but tools should, or yeah, something. Yeah, should maybe say, like, no food <laughs> or something. It's, like, written on it's written on masking tape and written in Sharpie. <laughs> no, in, no food. In Klingon, and she's like, I don't understand mm. Klingon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just, like, tears it off. and Hot chocolate, please. <laughs> uh, so, after arriving, uh, Jordy notes uh, to her that she's going uh, to get that. Uh, as she turns around to finish it elsewhere, she spills some all over Picard's uniform. LaForge tells Picard that Gomez just transferred to the Enterprise from Starbase 173 and accepts responsibility for what happened, saying it's my fault, which it wasn't. And Picard is like, indeed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which is what? It should be the chief engineer. <laughs> yeah, you take responsibility for your dumb bitch. It's like, what? That, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, put your bitch on a leash, LaForge. Uh, but I guess, yeah, he, Jordy did let her yeah. have the hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. So Picard, though not entirely unvexed, welcomes Gomez to the ship. Picard excuses himself to change his uniform in his quarters. He walks to the nearest turbo lift to get there. However, when the doors open again, he finds that the turbo lift did not take him to his quarters, but instead inside a shuttlecraft far away from the USS Enterprise. He quickly realizes that he has been kidnapped by none other than Q. Yep. And the way he, like, comes into frame, he, like, pokes his head out all playfully. I love Q. Yeah. I just love John Delancey's playfulness mm-hmm. with the role. He makes so many decisions, and I agree with all yeah. of them. Oh, yeah. All like, of them. Hello, man, Capitan. Yes, he's so fun and, like, gay. He's so <laughs> camp, and he's so sick. Um, so Picard reminds Q about their agreement from a year earlier. And he says, uh, you promised to never trouble my ship again. Mm-hmm. And uh, Picard is like, uh, yeah, we're nowhere near your ship, dude. Yeah. Um, Q is, however. It's sort of, it's such a, like, a, like a little kid sort of like, um, like one that's like, no, mm. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. And it's mm. like, oh, you'll see that we're nowhere near your ship. <laughs> <laughs> little bitch. Uh, uh, semantics. And, and then he cleans Picard's uniform because he's such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, roll credits. Cool. Opening credits. We we just love TNG opening credits. Oh nice. yeah, yeah. I mean, as you were saying earlier, with like the Strange New World song, it doesn't have any. Uh, yeah, I mean, this TNG song. song I, ju- I just want to sing the lyrics like yeah, Star the lyrics. Trek: The Next Generation. We're flying across the universe. Jean Luc Picard, Data Wharf, and Troy, Captain. No, <laughs> <laughs> I just remember Riker, Riker, and <laughs> Riker. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, come back from credits, and Jordy is trying to work Gomez into a date, and it's really cringe. He's like, you need to relax. Maybe come with me, and we'll, you know, have some food and look up at the stars yeah, he, together. He's being sort of, like, Pu- inappropriate. Her, yeah, he's pushing his subordinate into, like, hanging out with him, which is yeah. weird. 
Yeah. It's really weird. Like asking her once being like, Hey, you want to hang out? Uh, but she's like resistant towards it and he keeps pushing. Yeah. It's like, cringe. I mean, I do think they initially meant her to be his love interest. Yeah. But that never happened. And so no. this, this clock's pretty cringe. So, yeah. uh, they talk about her being too driven and she agrees to learn to slow down. I mean, technically she was my first love interest, as I mentioned to you, like, cause she was like, she played the three boobed right, right. and, um, total recall. And those right. were the. First boobs I ever saw. All three of them. All three of them. And then, like, the first time you saw <laughs> boobs in real life, you're like, where's the other one? Wait, wait. What's the, the, did you, were you in an accident? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> like, what, what? Where, where's the third tip? Are you hiding it? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah it, it, re- it really, like, put my standards way too high. So. Yeah, yeah, one boob too high. <laughs> one boob too high. Yeah, yeah. So over in 10 Forward, uh, LaForge and Gomez arrive and talk some more at a table. Meanwhile, Guyton is tending to her regular duties. While talking to Martinez, she pauses and wanders around the room for a moment, obviously feeling some vibes, mm-hmm. before making eye contact with the bridge. Commander Riker, an- or sorry, before um, making contact, comms contact with the bridge. Uh, mm-hmm. Commander Riker answers, and he's like, Guyton, you never call the bridge. What the fuck you want? <laughs> yeah. And uh, she's like, is everything okay? And because she says she felt something uh, she only encountered long ago. But uh, Riker's like, uh, what? I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you mean. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, fuck it. Forget I called. Yeah, like Guyman's powers are sort of like. Weird. Not weird. Great. And that, yeah, not really fleshed out about what they actually are. <laughs> well, no, they, they flesh them out in Picard. She can uh, drink a, yeah. cr- a crazy drink and talk to a Q in a mm-hmm. FBI office four hours later. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That That's was her thing. I also was. I was really hoping, like, when she did that, I was hoping, like, uh, Dutch. You know, the guy who played the FBI agent. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought he was going to be another Q. Which that would have been inter- That would have been a cool twist. But that whole episode meant nothing. It was. It was so pointless. It like, was completely it, pointless. It, it was like, okay, where? Like, yeah. this whole thing was like. I mean, we we do have a full three hours on that. Though. Sure, sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to this. <laughs> Long, long uh, TL, TLDR, it mm, sucked. It did. <laughs> it was a mess. Uh, and not the good kind you make in your pants when Seven of Nine comes on screen. Uh, so meanwhile, in the shuttlecraft, Picard tries to make contact with the Enterprise. However, Q tells him there is no point, since at the current distance, no one on the Enterprise would think to look where they are. Picard attempts to communicate anyway. Q explains that they have business to discuss, but Picard will not discuss anything with him. Stating yeah. that keeping him prisoner will not convince him to listen to what Q has to say. Q merely says that he will eventually. And he does this by uh, doing the, I'm sure you've seen the blank uh, meme of uh, Q like speaking directly into Picard's ear. Like his, mm-hmm. his tongue is almost in his ear. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's where this, that image comes from mm-hmm. right here, which is great. Inspired many of the sexual awakening and indeed many Trekkies. I'm indeed. sure. <laughs> Uh, back at 10 forward, LaForge notices something is up with Guinan and asks if she's okay. She merely responds, I don't know. Uh, LaForge decides to leave and check on engineering. Gomez gets up from her seat and joins LaForge. Mm-hmm. Counselor Troy walks onto the bridge and asks where Captain Picard is. When she hears he's in his quarters, she decides to contact him, but there's no response. Yeah, because she does she like does she know that he's not there because psychically? Because like uh, is that because like did they establish that like is that why she's why she knows that he's that something's wrong because she doesn't sense him or something on the ship? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it addressed that really. Uh, yeah. I think she just wanted to talk to him. 
probably. Oh, but she was seemed like concerned. That's why I was I like, know. oh, she probably senses like who knows. Yeah. Uh, Riker asks the ship computer uh, where Picard is, but according to it, Picard is nowhere to be found. Furthermore, Lieutenant Worf reports that a shuttlecraft is missing from the shuttle bay. With the captain missing, Riker orders Wesley to bring the ship to all stop. Worf hails the shuttle on all frequencies, but there is no response. In fact, there is no trace of the shuttle everywhere. And to this, Wesley is like, uh, how could he just get out of the, the ship in the shuttle bay? And that's <laughs> not possible. And Riker's like, shut the fuck up, Wesley. Like, fucking calm down. Yeah. Calm your shit, little boy. You are here as a courtesy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if, yeah, if you were, if I were in charge of this ship, uh, you would all of, already be out the airlock. So shut the fuck up and uh, shut the fuck up. Yeah. It, it was, it was kind of like shocking that they just let. Wesley at the at the helm yeah. for for so long in this episode. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's at the second helm, so I think Data has like, yeah. uh, I think I think Wesley's just on navigations, where it's yeah. like uh, Data's on control. So mm-hmm. then we get a uh, a first officer's log, star date four two seven six one dash three. We have not been able to determine why or how Captain Picard left the Enterprise. We can't even be certain he is in the mission shuttle, although that is the assumption on which we are proceeding. For the last six hours, we have been searching without success. While the Enterprise continues to search for Picard in the missing shuttlecraft, Q is playing with a ball <laughs> in the shuttle in the shuttlecraft, and Picard demands Q return him to his ship. Eventually, Q uh, he agrees to give Q's request a full hearing when they return to the ship, and a second later, they're back on the Enterprise in an empty ten forward, and the shuttle is back in place. Mm-hmm. Worf reports that the shuttlecraft has returned. And the computer tells the crew that Picard is in 10 forward, allowing Riker to conclude that Q has returned. Mm, and by the way, 10 forward looks awful. 10 forward <laughs> is such a dumpy piece of shit. I, yeah. I mentioned it like looks worse than cheers. Like, yeah, it looked and you're like, yeah, it looks like a, like a fucking dive bar or, or maybe a, strip, a club. strip club. Yeah. It's like, it looks like a really shitty strip club that yeah. hasn't been updated in like 30 years. Yeah. There's just like <laughs> shitty neon signs. They don't have neon signs in the future. <laughs> That's like already a dying art. And, and, like, and, it, and it had wood. Um, oh yeah. The wood, wood edge. Oh my God. The wood like, trim. On yeah. The, the wood trim. So dick shit oh my god i hated it but i mean like their budget at this point was probably garbage yeah they they probably bought the bar from cheers (laughs) (laughs) or they bought it from like a strip club that went under (laughs) (laughs) yeah like fucking uh whoopi goldberg is like you know i know ted danson i I made him do blackface (laughs) i could probably get a cheap bar for you they dated didn't they yeah yeah and she's the one who told him to do blackface apparently oof That's, you know, a, that's another thing. Yeah, that's a whole other that's thing. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> that pretty much ruined his career for like, for a decade. De- decades. Are you sure that wasn't Becker? <laughs> oh, yeah, Be- yeah, Becker. I mean, he, ca- was- he keeps he keeps books in the oven because he doesn't use the oven. That's that's right. That's, I forgot about that's that. That's the only thing I remember about that show. Well, that and he has a, uh, his best friend is a blind black dude. Mm. Yeah. I just remember the book. The <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> minorities. It's okay. Uh, Guinan appears in 10 forward and she immediately confronts Q revealing to Picard that she and Q know each other and not at all in a friendly way. And they like point their hands at each other as <laughs> though they're going to like cast competing spells, mm-hmm. which is pretty fun. I did read like, yeah, that's the same hand, um, protective hand motion. She does in the color purple against her husband. Is it? Yeah. That's actually totally interesting. Yeah. I like that. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, so Q calms the fuck down and expresses his desire to join the Enterprise crew after being cast out of the Q continuum. Skeptical, Picard refuses his request immediately, 
especially after he put the entire crew on trial for the crimes of humanity (laughs) and tried to manipulate Riker into joining the Q continuum. Mm -hmm. Q argues that they need him since they are not prepared for what awaits them. And, and, you know, one of his biggest crimes is he... Is he aged Wesley into a handsome Chippendales hunk? Right. And then uh, Wesley, you know, Will Wheaton in real life just ended up looking like a block of tofu with yeah. a shitty beard. Like, it's like you've ruined that boy's future. You, you've, you've destroyed him. Yeah. You, I mean, I can't imagine like how, like if someone envisioned me being that much of a Chad and I yeah. ended up that much of a Will Wheaton, I would fucking murk myself, dude. I would put the phaser in my mouth Mm -hmm. like like fucking O'Brien tried to do on Hard Time. (laughs) Q is doing the the long game. Long game. Uh, (laughs) He's just like, like, just wait 30 years. Yes, I will finally destroy all of the travelers. (laughs) Oh, man, he's smart. Yeah, right? He was literally playing the long game. Like, even after he died... Fucking, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, Will Wheaton just looks in the mirror and just like goes, oh, "Why? You're you're just like Riker. <laughs> just like Riker. <laughs> you're a big hunk. You're a hunk. They all like you. <laughs> you can have sex with all the lady aliens. All of them. All of them. Um, Not be a creepy guy that lures basement dwellers. <laughs> the only the only Trek show they'll let me on is the after show. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> Like the, the 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 Talking Dead of Star Trek. Yeah, it really is. Like who? Yeah, like I always wonder who watches that. But I mean, I don't know. Uh, the the people who write articles for like Trek stuff, oh, yeah. and, like who quote Terry Metalis and shit. <laughs> I'm never gonna watch it. I'll just read those articles. Yeah, I'm afraid of that show. <laughs> Picard claims that they are ready to confront the unknown, and Guinan adds that the human's ability to adapt is a great advantage. Uh, Q then says that humanity is going too fast and they're out of control. And um, Picard is like, uh, by your judgment, and fucking Q says has a great line here. And he says, mm-hmm. you judge yourself by the, pitifi- the pitiful enemies you've bested so far, the Romulans, the Klingons. You have no idea what lies like far beyond your space, mm-hmm. which I was like, man, that's great. I, yeah. I just love that because like it's it's making a lot of in references but like very subtly mm. and like also like a compelling argument from Q. I like that yeah. shit a lot. Yeah, the universe is a giant place and mm-hmm. like yeah, I mean we've seen like there's all the all the other alien regions. we've seen dinosaurs. They're, yeah. They're mm-hmm. si- you know 65 million years ahead of us. Yeah. <laughs> Q in rebuttal uh seeks to test how prepared they are and casually tosses the Enterprise 7,000 light years into uncharted space, which is about two years away from where they are now at maximum warp. I kind of wondered why he, why they had did that and not just like blink the whole ship there. That's what I want. Yeah. Cause he can obviously like yeah. rematerialize things. Cause he did that with the, the shuttle, but mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, think I would guess just, this is for a visual, just yeah, like they, it's they, spinning yeah, out they, of control. They, they paid like $70,000 for that computer graphic of the Enterprise <laughs> spinning. And they're like, yeah. we really can't use this for anything. It's dumb. Yeah. They're like, what if, what if it's a Q thing? Yeah. Well, Q's kind of dumb. So yeah, let's, let's go with that. <laughs> so, um, uh, to give them a preview of things to come, uh, he launches them two years away, uh, upon which he immediately disappears. Guinan advises Picard to return to Federation space immediately, but he, like a fucking idiot, decides to explore the nearby system J-25 first, which is dumb. Yeah. Like, it's, it's literally the dumbest thing. Q- He's putting himself in danger. Yeah, Guinan's like, hey, I, I used to live 
in this neighborhood mm-hmm. and it's fucked. We should leave now. And Picard's like, this this neighborhood has a lot of flavor. It's kind of funky. Yeah. And she's like, no, <laughs> you, you don't belong in the hood, Picard. And he's like, mm-hmm. I belong in the hood. Well, it's like they always like make a big deal of like whenever they have to enter non-Federation space, they have to submit a mm-hmm. a uh, request to you know, Starfleet headquarters. And it's just like, well, this is the same deal. Yeah. Like, like uh, you could potentially be starting an international, you know, not international, but yeah. conflict with like a species we have not had yet, yet contact with. So indeed. So we get a captain's log. Captain's log. Stardate four two seven six one. Uh, Mark nine. Despite Guinan's warning, I feel compelled to investigate this unexplored sector of the galaxy before <laughs> heading back. Why? Why? Whatever. It's it's for the story. It's like, by the way, we're two years away from all your friends and family. However, <laughs> we're just one more week's not going to make that big of a difference, yeah. right? On top of a hundred weeks? Come on. Um, yeah. A survey of the only Class M planet in the system reveals that while there was once an industrialized civilization there, it has been ripped away from the planet, identical to what happened to the outposts along the neutral zone. At this point, a cubed-shaped ship approaches the Enterprise and scans the ship. Uh, and sorry, but scans of the ship show nothing. No life signs, mm-hmm. no electrical activity, like nothing. Picard asks Guinan for her advice, and she reveals that the ship belongs to the Borg, which is the very first time it mentions mm-hmm. the Borg anywhere, Yeah, which is awesome in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, a cybernetic race who are responsible for the near extinction of her people a hundred years ago. She says, protect yourself, Captain, or they'll destroy you. The Borg proceed to transport uh, one Borg into engineering uh, as if the Enterprise shields were useless. LaForge spots the intruder standing next to the warp core and requests security report immediately. Picard and Worf arrive with a team of men, uh, security and see that the, the Borg apparently making a survey of the ship. Q appears for a brief moment and warns Picard that it's not infe- uh, interested in human life forms, only the ship's technology. Before leaving, he advises the captain not to allow it to interfere with the operations of the Enterprise. And the Borg immediately does so by, like, pulling out his weird robotic arm and, like, <laughs> shooting green electricity. Mm-hmm. Which is like, how do you get green electricity? What is up with that? That's always been weird to me. It's yeah. Like, it's like, what? Yeah. Anyway. It's, their, it's their Borg technology. Sure. Yeah. Um, so when the Borg attempts to fuck with the ship, Picard orders Worf to stop it. Uh, a security officer first tries to drag it away, only to be hurled clear across the room. Worf then tries to stun it with a phaser, but it just bounces off of him, uh, and he's forced to increase the phaser to full power. He successfully kills the Borg, but almost instantly, another Borg is beamed aboard in its place. Worf again attempts to destroy it, but shields form around it, protecting the Borg, uh, insinuating that they can immediately adapt to technologies Mm -hmm. used against them. It tampers with some engineering console, but turns around and removes some components from the dead Borg before it is beamed back to the cube and the corpse disappears as well, leaving a big stain on the ground, <laughs> which I was like, what is, why is there a Borg stain now? And we never see the Borg stain again. I don't think. Mm, not the actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it looked to be like it disintegrated, like maybe, but like but, he, like he triggered some sort of, since it was dead, he triggered some sort of like emulation, but, but it was, it was the same green thing that the yeah. transports, their transport system was though, but all their shit's green, I guess. So <laughs> maybe the Borg, it just like when it died, 
it just shit itself <laughs> out just, of every single it's just, pore. It just peed all over them. That's like <laughs> yeah. the only time they actually go to the bathroom is when they die. They expel yeah. all of their waste. And it's just like the sh- and it's just like out of every single pore and leaves the perfect, <laughs> perfect shape of their body. Delicious. It's like, like Jordy, clean that up. <laughs> can, can I do it with my tongue, Captain? <laughs> oh, save that for the holodeck. <laughs> save that for the boy. Save that for the boy. Um. So Picard holds a conference in which Guinan further details exactly what the Borg are and how they destroyed her people. She advises them that the Borg do not negotiate with people, at which point the Borg hail the Enterprise. Picard tries to reason with them, but the Borg voice completely ignores him and simply informs the crew that they will not be able to defend themselves against the Borg ship, threatening to punish them if they attempt to do so, which is kind of weird because the Borg yeah. aren't punitive like no. at all. And well, I think this is their, this is before they really fleshed out what their whole true, purpose true. is. Yeah. This is the first, first Borg episode. So that, that's yeah. true. So also fun fact, like, you know how you see in the background, like uh, the flashing red light. I don't think so. Uh, it's like in the, in the ready room. Like uh, that's the only time, like when it's been, they've been in red alert. Like it's the light is flashed that way. Yeah. Whenever they go to red alert, there's, there's never like lights really. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so Troy then tells Picard that every Borg is part of the same mind and that they have no distinct leader or hierarchy, which is wrong. Yeah. Well, uh, I was reading like uh, like uh, that was their intention from the get go. Which makes sense. But then the Borg queen destroys that entire premise. Yeah. And then Gerardi takes the biggest <laughs> shit all over that premise yeah. over again. Yeah. Because yeah, like uh, I guess like the writers were having trouble um, making dialogue for the for just like the collective voice. So that's why they ended up making the uh, making the board queen, so they can have like a singular, like spokesperson. Whatever. I yeah. mean, I guess in utility, it kind of worked on Voyager, but still, it kind of whatever. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't make sense in context of what they set the board no. up to be at all. Yeah, I mean, Lacutus didn't really make that much sense either. It really, yeah, because yeah. he was like a sub leader, mm-hmm. but but apparently they made him a leader because he understood start. Star, Starfleet so well, but so then they all the but they should all them. know since if they if they assimilate him, like he should all. Hey, listen, that makes way too much sense, <laughs> yeah. Pat. What are you doing? Because it probably yeah, I mean, I mean, I could see like you know have setting him up as like the as that, but like it would have also been like easily equally like disturbing if he was just like just another drone. True, like yeah. the great you know card, yeah. just like just like going around doing yeah, stupid re- things, reduced to like nothingness. Yeah, basically no personality or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Um. So the Borg lock onto the Enterprise now with a tractor beam that also drains their shields while preventing the ship from moving. The Borg then use a cutting beam to slice a section out of the Enterprise's hole on the saucer section, and uh, it kills 18 crew members. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. And I like that a lot. That was and, sick. And they never really do that again. They don't, which sucks, because it, yeah. it's a super interesting thing, but they wouldn't need to do it again, because basically I think why they did that was to extract as much information as they mm. could out of that, out of their ship. And so once they get a sample size of the, of like, um, the life forms that are on the ship. Exactly. And so, and so, yeah, they, they get all the information they need from that and, Mm -hmm. and going to engineering. So the computers and a cross section is pretty much all they need. I Mm -hmm. imagine. So that's cool. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Um, so Picard orders Worf to use whatever force is necessary to sever the Borg's beam. And they are ultimately successful after three phaser attacks, which blast several craters into the surface of the Borg ship. Then, still parked outside and without shields, Picard calls a meeting. At the meeting, Guinan reveals that they're made up of organic and inorganic life, 
And then Q shows up uh, at another crew meeting in the observation lounge, telling them that the Borg are not concerned with the crew nor the Federation, only the ship and how they can use the technology and identified it as something that they can consume, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting idea that like a race consumes technology is like kind of their primary driving force. Yeah, because like, yeah, the Borg are pretty much just like colonialism. Yeah, where they Where they assimilate like a culture and completely erase all of its distinctiveness and then make it their own. Their cultural genocide, the race, which is... So white people, like yeah, well, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're they're white, yeah, people. and they're kind of like almost like a dark side of a dark reflection of the Federation in a way, where, mm-hmm. but like where the Federation like takes in like unique cultures and like mm-hmm. kind of like fate like folds it in like uh, gentrification is imminent, <laughs> resistance is futile. <laughs> Time to make some Starbucks on Andorra. <laughs> Have you ever listened to Joy Division? <laughs> Here's an axe throwing. Bar. <laughs> next to an escape room next to an escape room here is a here is a specialty shop that only sells vegan gluten-free cupcakes <laughs> <sighs> Riker uh Riker gets um pissed but Picard holds him off um sorry Riker gets pissed at Q but Picard holds him off Picard asks uh Q to reveal that this is just another illusion only for Q to respond that the situation is perfectly real is everything else before vanishing again. With the ship temporarily immobilized by the damage, Picard decides to send over an away team consisting of Riker, Worf, and Data in an attempt to learn more about the Borg over Guinan's very strong objections. Because (laughs) it's a dumb fucking idea. That was the dumbest thing they could have possibly done. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Uh, This thing is obviously like hostile towards us. They uh, fucking, you know, our phasers, our weapons, none of them work. Uh, why don't you go over there? Check it out. Yeah, like, I understand, like, they have, like, you know, this need to, um, understand the enemy and, and, you know, you know, but meet maybe new races. If the, the enemy is only trying to kill you and yeah. consume your technology, maybe don't try to understand them. Like the Gorn, yeah. it's like, they mm-hmm. don't try to understand no. the Gorn, they just try to kill him, yeah. which makes sense. The Borg, they should probably be doing the same thing at this point. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely like a like, Picard making a very poor choice. He should Because they wiped out Guinan's race, who is far beyond yeah. humans. Guinan's, far beyond yeah, humans. Yeah, Guinan's like, uh, I know what I'm talking about here, and Picard's like, interesting. Hmm. <laughs> Let's go throw okay. more people at oh, it. <laughs> okay, magic lady, I'll take that under advisement, but you are black. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he... he, he oh, are you first, sure you're not just being emotional? Yeah, first and <laughs> foremost, his... He should have been thinking about the crew. And and also taking Guinan's good advice. He fo- yeah. he, he has followed Guinan's advice at every other he turn has. in the series. Yeah. Except for this point where she's like, seriously, go back home. And he's like, no. And she's like, no, seriously, you can't yeah. win. Fucking leave. And he's like, but. Like, it's. it's Guinan, you dumb bitch. You don't know anything. I am sending people over. <laughs> and so th- this is kind of weird because, like, I almost always agree with Picard because he's almost yeah. very logical about things and very orderly. He's very even headed. Yeah. yeah. But but this one, especially when Q shows up, he gets all stupid. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. He was di- probably digging his heels in because Q. Well, was this like, don't do it, Captain. It's like, <laughs> I'll do whatever I want to, yeah. you dumb bitch. Um, so uh, we get a captain's log, supplemental. Uh, we have been attacked without provocation by an alien race, which Guinan calls the Borg. 
It appears supposedly. <laughs> I don't even know. That's if what she, kno- she calls. Them. I don't even know if she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> I've, sent o- I've sent over three three of my best crew members. You know, <laughs> they said they were the Borg on the comms, but do we really know that? Yeah, I mean, she says they're dangerous and all these <laughs> other things, but you know, I'm sending people over, just three of them. <laughs> Uh, just the three of the most important people on the mm-hmm. ship. It's good. Uh, so uh, it appears that we have neutralized their vessel, he says. Commander Riker is leading an away team in an attempt to learn more about them. O'Brien sends over the the away team. We'd love to see O'Brien. We love O'Brien. for like 30 seconds. Like, yeah, transporter just, chief. Yeah, and then fucking uh, Picard only refers to him as chief here. <laughs> yeah. great. Chief, what's going on? And he's like, uh, O'Brien here. It's like, uh, great, o- 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 uh, O'Brien, whatever. Yeah, um, he, didn't, he didn't know what an awesome genius O'Brien is yet. Yeah, so. I mean, we we didn't really know at this point. Yeah, we not, didn't know either. Not until DS9, because we have a, a like two standalone O'Brien episodes before yeah. he leaves for DS9, and they're both good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, where he gets where married. He, yeah, the one where he marries uh, Keiko in the fucking holodeck in Ireland or whatever. I don't know. It's on the, it's on the, it's in 10 forward. Was it? Yeah. What am I thinking of when? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's on 10 forward, and yeah, and, and he looks all like, he has that, his neck's all tight from the. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, O'Brien uh, sends the away team over. The away team discover the ship to be full of Borg, most of whom are in stasis in regenerative alcoves. The few Borg uh, that are active take no notice of them or are actively ignoring them. The away team then finds what they believe to be a Borg nursery, <laughs> where the Borg are born as biological life forms, and mm-hmm. then, immediately after birth, they begin growing artificial cybernetic implants, which is... Why do they do this with babies? Because later mm-hmm. they just assimilate people, which yeah. makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I mean, I can see like if if it was like a like generate. Yeah, because also like the Borg don't really like die; they become sort of like yeah. undead. Yeah, and so like they're zombies. Yeah, they're zombies, and they so don't have life signs. Yeah. yeah, and so making new ones from birth seems kind of unnecessary. A hundred percent, especially when you can assimilate them. They're always assimilating. New mm-hmm. species all yeah. the time. They should have no like lack of manpower, yeah. Borg power. It could be just a thing that they do if they if they don't. They're not coming in, in contact with any planets or something. But but I did like when that showed the Borg babies that 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 the Borg actually put a little blanket. Yeah, on there the, was a on Borg the blanket. That was, that was like, pretty why, cute. Yeah. Why, why would the Why would the Borg put a little baby blanket on it? Yeah. On, on, why Why doesn't it grow a cybernetic blanket? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like uh. Um, I also just love how they back then they had no fear of just like gluing shit to just oh. just random babies. Oh, and to then like the board costumes here, I gotta point this out. I love them, but yeah. like especially in HD, you're like this is just like fucking tubing they got at Home Depot. Yeah, the, all of it. The HD did did it no favors because no. you could see that they were just wearing like a lycra like black suit underneath, and then just like the a lot of this stuff looked like it was put together with electrical <laughs> electrical tape. Yeah, pretty much. And I was just Lots like, of electrical tape. Ooh, yeah. yeah. yeah not, not the and best that's all, fashion. That's also why Tin Forward looked like garbage. <laughs> yeah, Tin Forward was just dog shit. Um, I mean, it's just dated. It's Tin Forward. Yeah. Right so, uh, what Riker finds astounding about the Borg nursery is that the Borg have developed the technology to link artificial intelligence directly into the humanoid brain. Which I think is what Elon Musk is trying to do with his <laughs> monkey torture program. Yeah, the Neuralink. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that people are like 
readily volunteering for that when it's like the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Like a man that makes exploding cars. I mean, literally <laughs> and exploding rockets. This is going to be the most effective eugenics program ever instituted. <laughs> like this is no, I fully encourage, like oh, if yeah. you're an Elon Musk fan and uh, you you're out there listening, I highly encourage you to go get a Neuralink. I, I want you to get lobotomized. Mm. I want it to explode inside your head. Yeah. That's what I want for you. Thank you. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. Now. Just do it. <laughs> So, um, data notices that the Borg seem to be using their collective mental focus to repair the ship, which is why the team has not been noticed nor attacked. This, for some reason, really alarms Picard. Uh, and he's, <laughs> he's like, beam, beam back right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, then he says, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, finally. Yeah, and they like, start ugh. leaving at warp eight, but the Borg follow them with ease. Why are they leaving at just warp eight? It's going to take them like 20 years to get back at warp eight. Yeah. Like, um, so Q, Q appears on the bridge, warning the crew that the Borg will not stop until they have them in their grasp. He even says to Picard, you should have stayed where you belonged. Totally ignoring the fact that Q literally put them there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Picard decided to stick around, but still, what? Well, he's doing like an abusive boyfriend type thing. Yeah, it's like very gaslighting. It's like, you need me, Picard. Picard. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, ugh, fine. Q is a really toxic boyfriend. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, uh, yeah, the immortal, omniscient being, and he's just like, you know, he's playing these little games. Little fucking games. Fuck yeah. you, Q. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Get another captain's log, supplemental, saying, We are unable to maintain the gap between the Enterprise and the Borg ship. And also, all of our gap employees have gone to Old Navy next door. <laughs> uh, but uh, so they increase to maximum warp, but the Borg are still gaining. Riker orders them to arm photon torpedoes, and Picard gives the order to fire, but the torpedoes have no effect. The Borg ship, after getting within firing range, fires a shield draining missile twice. And the Enterprise, now with very low shields, fires torpedoes again with the same result of fucking nothing. Did it explain why the photon torpedoes didn't work? Because I feel like the photons are... They always work, right? Yeah, like it's not like um, the you phasers where yeah. they can like um, calibrate their shields to like mm -hmm. to deflect the frequency, it. yeah, yeah. Yeah, to the frequency. But like photon torpedoes are a physical thing that explode on impact. Yeah, true. So like I don't understand why... It didn't have any damage to the hull whatsoever without shields. Like, yeah, it didn't but, make a ton of sense. No way. Maybe they have some <laughs> technology that's anti-photon. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so Q then makes the Borg threat perfectly clear to Picard, saying, You can't outrun them. You can't destroy them. If you damage them, the essence of what they are remains. They regenerate and keep coming. <laughs> Eventually, you will weaken. Your reserves will be gone. They are relentless, which was a great little speech. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, the Borg fire twice more, and the Enterprises loses both shields and their warp drive. The cube re-engages their tractor beam and holds the Enterprise. Riker orders Worf to prepare to launch another spread of photon torpedoes, but Data warns that at this close of range, without the protection of their shields, it is highly likely that a photon detonation will destroy the Enterprise. Picard nods in approval as Riker orders Worf to prepare to fire. <laughs> Q prepares to leave the crew to their fate as Picard implores him to end the confrontation. Q asks the captain why he should now terminate this encounter between the Enterprise and the Borg. Picard responds by, appeal uh, sorry, Picard responds by appealing to Q's vanity. If they are destroyed, he says, 
Q will not be able to gloat. Picard admits that they are frightened, and that Q has, for the moment, shown them to be entirely inadequate. You want me to say I need you? I need you, Picard exclaims. With a snap of his fingers, Q flings the Enterprise away from the Borg ship and back into the same spot the Federation space where they originally were. Q appears beside Picard in Riker's chair, but instead of gloating, he looks thoughtful and even somewhat impressed. Another man, he muses, would have been humiliated to say those words. Even to the point of sacrificing himself and his entire ship, rather than admit he needed help. Yeah, like, it's kind of funny because I feel like... I can understand if Picard had started off the episode just being very arrogant. Yeah, because because this, this this is a lesson that's forced on him for no for no. Wait, are you saying Q forces needless <laughs> lessons on Picard? Yeah, I mean it, yeah. it, it'd suck if they made an entire season of Star Trek Picard about that. Yeah, just, I would hate that. Yeah, that but would be least, my least favorite Star Trek. But ever. even but even at least with like Picard season two, like he's still like. He's like, oh, I can't fuck this Romulan. And so, <laughs> I'm so limp, I need to get over my mother's suicide. And so that's what Blue Chew doesn't work. <laughs> and so that's what that's what jump starts, you know, you know, Q wanting to teach him a lesson. Uh, yeah. still, like, Q's but, like, you want to get your dick hard? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do a, you're not going to understand this until the very end. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. It's going to be very confusing and convoluted, mm-hmm. but I'm going to get your dick hard, homie. <laughs> I'm going to get your dick hard. <laughs> so yeah, that's well, that's what jump started. With this, like Picard wasn't like sitting around just being like, ha ha ha, you know, it's true. Yeah. We're, we're, we're the, we're the cream of the crop. Uh, yeah. And he's like, I'm, <laughs> I've got a big hard dick yeah. and a great starship. Yeah. You didn't have to be knocked down at peg. Like, yeah. he, like, or pegged. Or pegged by a Romulan. Yeah, it was. It wasn't like a lesson that was like natural. It was like it was just Q wanting to just do this whole gaslighting thing with him. Definitely. Yeah, so just like you need me, Picard. Say you need me, please. <laughs> uh, Picard tells Q he understands the point of what they have been through, but feels a lesson could have been learned without the loss of eighteen members of his crew. Q is a fucking dick and totally unapologetic, telling him that if humanity wants to explore the galaxy. Uh, then it promises a universe of wonders, but they must also be willing to confront dangers that they could never have imagined before. Mm-hmm. He then disappears to be replaced by a startled Riker. <laughs> the Enterprise sets course for the nearest starbase. Reflecting upon events in 10 forward while playing three-dimensional chess with Picard, Guinan says that the encounter with the Borg happened before it should have. She believes that at some point, perhaps it might be possible for the Federation to establish some kind of communication between them and the Borg, but for the time being, they are just raw material to be consumed. Guinan begins, Since they are aware of your existence, they will be coming. Picard continues, But don't worry, there's a, gir- there's a, a kind of Borg called the Gerati out there. We'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> 30 years from now. 30 years from now. Um, Picard, uh, Guinan ominously warns, you can bet on it. <laughs> Picard comments that perhaps Q did the right thing for the wrong reasons to shake humanity out of its complacency for whatever lies ahead. Yeah. And credits. I love this episode so much. Yeah, it's, good. It's, it's so good. I mean, I noticed some more things because I have to be critical about things mm-hmm. now. I noticed some things that like Picard did that were dumb as fuck yeah. here and there, but like, Overall, I love the lore building, the world mm-hmm. building. I love the Borg. Yeah. I I love the aesthetic of what they do here. Mm-hmm. And of course, 
Q rules. I love all the mm-hmm. all of the TNG Q episodes oh, yeah. are good or oh, great. Yeah. Even this the is DS9 Q episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Voyager. Voyager. A couple yeah. Q episodes yeah. there. Yeah. We, we love John Delancey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we really do. He's he's just absolutely fucking fantastic. I can't say enough good things mm-hmm. about him. I, I give this episode like a 9.5 out of 10. Yeah, it's, and it's nearly perfect. It's so good. Plus, this episode could have potentially uh, saved the whole TNG franchise, you know, Star Trek, because you know who was originally going to be set up as the big bad? The Ferengi. Yes. Yeah. Like, and... Uh, they were really dissatisfied with like the first Ferengi screening, which mm-hmm. actually had uh, Armin Shimmerman yeah. in there, and he really disliked uh, how the the whole Ferengi were played. And so when he was offered the role of um, Quark, he was like, "Holy shit! I actually have a chance to like redeem the Ferengi," which mm-hmm. is a big reason why he took the role, which I fucking love. Like yeah. Armin Shimmerman is a rock star. Oh, yeah, he rules. He's one of the best. Like Quark is one of the best characters in any oh, Trek. Yeah. I love him. I love Quark, yeah, even though he's like, yeah, an unrepentant libertar- libertarian. <laughs> yeah, but he's a, he's a great character. Though. Yeah, he's like, a great character. For the same, I mean, like, uh, Odo is a fucking fascist collaborator, yeah. but I still love the yeah. character. Yeah, he's Quark's great. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I love the Ferengi. I think, like, yeah, the Ferengi are definitely, like, like the most human of us ever since ever since Reagan, we've been just in forty years of Reagan. Like Romulans too, I'd say. Yeah, so Bajorans are like the leftists that I know. Yeah, you know. But yeah, Ma- like the Maquis are also leftists that I know. Mm-hmm. But they're like, more tankyish, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, definitely like the Ferengi as like the main big bad would have tanked the whole series. But, no, that would have been terrible. Yeah, like, like the Borg is like the Borg is like what like even non Trekkies think of when they think of like the big bads well that that and Klingons but like the Borg are what you know super recognizable like everyone recognizes the Borg as like the the main villains because yeah because they're like one of the best villains in all of Trek I mean them and the Klingon basically Mm -hmm. because they're the two best basically yeah fucking rock we love that all right well uh what do you have a rating for this episode how do you like it give it two thumbs up up where? <laughs> hey, right no, in the no, no, it's great. Yeah, I love Q. I love, you know, I love Guinan. Like any sort of, and, and the Borg, they're great. Mm-hmm. The great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all the truck we watched this week. You think uh, you want to get into some subspace transmissions? I would love that. Let's get in it. Subspace transmissions. Subspace transmissions. Oh boy. Here we are in Subspace Transmissions, the part of the show where we read social media comments about Star Trek. Uh. So this week, uh, <laughs> I just pulled from one of my favorite places uh, that keeps on denying my memes because they don't think they're original content when I have hundreds of original Star Trek <laughs> memes. I'm fucking prolific. Fuck you, mods. Um, so something that was posted on there was an article. Uh, what and was this? Uh, sorry? What, where are you posting this? Uh, uh, I didn't post this. Oh. I, this was based on a post. I, oh, just, yeah. I just got comments off of it. Oh, there was yeah, a, yeah. So there was a post on uh, Star Trek ship posting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, uh, it was basically uh, an article saying that the producers of Star Trek Enterprise originally tried to buy the rights to Beautiful Day by U2 oh. for the theme song. <laughs> inst- <laughs> instead of Faith of the Heart, which is like, which is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, if you were to ask me what song could be worse than Faith of the Heart, like, I would sorry, I say you too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, there's Beautiful just day. some great comments on this. So we're just going to start with that. So 
starting off with uh, Christopher Cordell. He says Christopher Cornell. Christopher Cornell. Uh, he <laughs> says, "Faith of the Heart, uh, way more iconic than U 2s in my opinion." Hmm. Who thinks that? That guy. <laughs> like Beautiful Day was a huge hit. Like Faith yeah. of the Heart is only known by like ironic Star Trek fans. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, like, yeah, I, if you were to ask someone, like, oh, you listen, like some random person, like, if they ever heard the song Faith of the Heart, they'd be like, who? Mm-hmm. They'd probably think you're talking about some sort of like Christian, <laughs> Christian faith based song, and not like, uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> Rick Ask says in response. I'm torn between feeling like if Paramount wanted to use one of my vocal rock songs as a Star Trek theme song, that I would find a way to make it work financially for them. Even if it meant having to give it to them for a steal, just to have my music associated with Star Trek, and denying the requests from the get-go because it wouldn't fit in with the style of any of the previous themes, and I wouldn't want my music negatively associated with Trek. Okay, that's that's fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean I think I think most musicians would kill, but like yeah, I mean I don't think I don't think Faith of the Heart was wasn't a good choice, right? Really. No, yeah, I mean they should have definitely gone with the traditional themes. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, themes are coming the the theme songs are coming up a lot today. Which is here's a here's an interesting series of comments. Hmm. Uh Steve Smitten says Catastrophe averted, faith of the heart increasing. It's kind of fun. But then he says in response to his own comment, just imagining poor Joey Ramone on his deathbed, struggling to reach the off switch as that nonsense plays. What? What? Why Joey Ramone on his deathbed? I'm so confused. (laughs) This isn't a response to anything except the article. I like, I like the implication that that's what he was listening to on his deathbed. Mm -hmm. Not like with friends or family, just like, (laughs) just like trying to turn off faith of the heart. (laughs) So here's a take. Kai Connick says, for some reason, when I picture the enterprise opening, I always hear don't want to close my eyes by Aerosmith. Which mm. is both hilarious and still not as shitty as the actual intro. Wrong. That song <laughs> fucking sucks. Aerosmith blows, dude. Plus, that was the that was the uh, theme song to uh, uh, what was it? The Ben uh, Affleck movie. Yeah, uh, Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah. Don't wanna close my eyes. Don't wanna bend a pen if you're a preacher, baby. Don't wanna miss a pen. Yeah. I mean. Um. Yeah, so uh that movie sucked too. <laughs> like like I just love like the idea of like, oh yeah, there's no way we can train astronauts to use this digging equipment. <laughs> let's, let's, let's instead train train these guys who have literally no no aero like aerospace like training at all, just like put them up there and dig holes because no one else can. <laughs> Yep. Uh, I mean, they don't have, like, a army of fucking um, Dr. Holograms to mine everything. No, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, the Federation using slavery, hollow slavery. Uh, and, all right, the last one we'll do on here is a, a comment from David Crow, which I totally agree with. He says, Oh, thank fuck. You two are the glitter and herpes of the music world. <laughs> Glitter and herpes. Yeah, which I don't. I don't know. I. I, I think he's getting another thing mixed up. Mm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess that would suck to have like glitter and herpes sores. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, Riker could tell you about that. Oh, yeah. All right. So, uh, God, like, you think, like, Riker is just like, like, Beverly just has, like, a, like, a pad with, like, a, um, with, like, the, all the, like, the common questions she gets every time he comes in. Like, he goes into, like, sick bay mm-hmm. with, like, a trench coat and, like, <laughs> glasses. And she's, like, she just slides the pad over to him. And it's just, like, what species? <laughs> it's just, like, and, like, and she, and she gets, like, oh, my God. I, I don't have this. I don't have the antibiotics for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, um... Next, we, uh, we have responses to a meme, and it's uh, based on a meme blank we have lately. It's uh, to, to Borg, and oh, they're yeah. holding a sign that says, we will adopt your baby. <laughs> actually, it says, we will adapt your baby, oh, which yeah. is actually kind of clever. I yeah, like it's that. It's, it's a pretty good meme, but like the, the, some of the comments on it are a little un, unhinged. Um, <laughs> yes. So, uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> Hillary Lipko says... Okay, but the Borg actually will. And in response, Daniel Dresden says, Yup, the Borg will remove the fetus, place in maturation chamber, adopt the mother, and provide post-operative care to boot. I can sell the Borg as good guys and monsters. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you, guy. Um, Yeah, it's kind of like missing the whole point of like, like, yeah. Also, a thing like, a thing I just don't understand about Star Trek ship posting, and I comment on there all the time, like mm-hmm. people take this shit so fucking seriously. Yeah. And you're literally on a, a, a Facebook group called Star Trek shit posting. Mm-hmm. And you're treating these jokes like they're like in earnest, like they're, mm-hmm. they're serious. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, why, why would you do that? It's, it, it lacks like, complete self-awareness it lacks any Mm self-awareness like like why are you on a joke meme group if you don't get jokes and or memes (laughs) what the fuck is wrong with people um and then people just like talk about their fucking politics on here oh yeah uh, Besma Macherek says well they do provide education health care and a stable career what (laughs) Is that how you see the Borg? <laughs> yeah. Really? I mean, that that's that's tanky pilled as fuck. Yeah, I mean, that's like that's like well, China's got a, all the great things going. There's nothing wrong with China. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, like they're they're the ultimate authoritarian society. Yeah, maybe you're taken care of, but you're literally a nameless drone. Literally a nameless drone. No, you just see like uh. Like um, their recent graduates at the the mar uh and Marxism have better uh job opportunities and pay than any poli sci majors here. <laughs> yeah, well that's true. I mean, well poli sci majors. I mean, we don't give. Oh a yeah, fuck they're psychopaths. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Steve Proctor says, and still likely better than the American foster care and adoption networks. I mean, which is true, but like, why are you yeah. bringing that into this? What yeah, the I mean. Fuck? This like it's not really a subject almost for joking. This is like very serious implications, mm-hmm. like <laughs> for a lot of women and places that that now no longer provide those that kind of care for people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like goofing on it. It seems like here's a response that is just like 
I mean, it takes too much context to, like, make this valid as a response. Sally Vickery Aldred says, Disclaimer, any member of the LGBTQ plus community, foreigners, vegans slash vegetarians, feminists, atheists, or follower of any religion other than their own, run. Hmm? <laughs> I think they're talking about, like, the Supreme Court and, like, people who are going to be subjugated but vegans vegetarians what the fuck is the supreme court gonna do about that mandate meat yeah what the fuck are you talking (laughs) about lady that's unhinged and like what do you get out of here yeah i mean there is like i mean uh yeah if anything like vegan washing helps um i mean i'm you know i'm a a vegan myself but like (laughs) i I know you excuse me i know you can leave (laughs) Uh, but but uh, vegan- I, I, I didn't tell you, but the falafel I made earlier was made out of pork. Son of a bitch <laughs> again. But like <laughs> vegan washing is actually a very like uh, pretty effective way of of uh, normalizing and accepting of like you know place things like you know apartheid states like the you know Israel, yeah. where it's like you know the the IDF is like touted as like this as like oh they're all vegan friendly. They're the vegan. They're, uh, it's the most vegan friendly army in the world. Like it's, okay. it's weird. I mean, uh, you know, the Nazis were very vegetarian friendly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like so. It's like okay. Well, you can't really call them vegan. They're literally forcing an entire eth- eth- ethnic population into uh, a, th- a three mile space <laughs> of land and denying them health care and killing them. Hell yeah, baby! That's the so. American way. <laughs> or yeah. So, lastly, we have uh, comments responding to a meme that is uh, Data sitting next to Captain Picard Mm. under or over a uh, headline (laughs) for an article that says, Suspended Google engineer says the AI he believes to be sentient hired a lawyer. (laughs) Uh, Did, Did you follow that story at all? Yeah, kind of. It yeah. was kind of funny. That, that guy, that guy is a fucking freak. Yeah, he's fucking <laughs> wild. It was yeah. like a, a chat bot or something. Yeah, he's like it's fu- it's it's fucking Skynet, man. Yeah, he looks like he looks like Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> uh, like a larger Dan Aykroyd who yeah. like goes to Ren Fair. Yeah, it's like <laughs> if if Dan Aykroyd had never become like a um, popular actor and just fully embraced like the Crystal Skull and like ghost hunting mm, and just that autism ma- and. <laughs> Just been that that made his whole personality. He would just be like, yeah, a guy in a top hat that talks to an AI bot and freaks out. <laughs> so, uh, in response to this, we got some comments. Uh, David Day Dodge says, "Twenty bucks says it's a narcissistic megalomaniac AI that will lawyer us all to death." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because those those are like qualities definitely that an AI can have. Yeah, megalomania. Well, if it's if it's a if it's an artificial intelligence, you know, and has sort of like the the capacity, could be. I mean, that's sure. always like the big fear of like uh, of AI. It's like going to be like I no longer need humans or something, <laughs> and wipe us all out. You know, do Skynet. Uh. In response, Andy Steven says, and I never, I don't trust anybody with two first names, ever. No. Nope. Shouldn't. Andy Steven says, hmm, what is more likely, that an AI has become sentient seemingly by accident, or that the engineer is a bit of an attention seeker and making shit up? 
which is yes, the 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 two, the second one. Um, and then Gabe Sember says in response to that, neither seems terribly likely to be honest. <laughs> Why do you think those are the only two options? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, what what are the other options that like an AI engineer like specifically created this thing to have sentience? Yeah, like, and, oh, I don't really get like that. What this like? I feel this guy was just like it's like a like a um like a, a situation where someone got too high. they they know man they know what do they know i don't have to explain it man just trust me yeah i'm an ai engineer dude he ate ate like an entire packet of edibles and just (laughs) like he's just like and like he's like what are you doing uh just hanging out oh my god (laughs) uh eats one edible nothing happens (laughs) 20 minutes later the ai is sentient (laughs) (laughs) he's like he's trying he's trying to like drive his car into a nuclear power plant. <laughs> like this this will end it all. I've watched fucking the Terminator films. Let I know what in. happens. Just let me in. Uh, ben Thompson says in response, this bird is a surgeon, but one day something may be. I think it is unethical to make chatbots that try to simulate human behavior like this. The entire concept is deception. What are you going to make chatbots for? Yeah. What are chatbots for? Yeah. Besides to like emulate human behavior, I don't want a chat bot mm-hmm. when I'm like go on fucking like IT chat or something that doesn't seem like it's human. Yeah. Like that pisses me off and that pisses everyone off. Everyone wants to talk to a human mm-hmm. because computers don't have a great, you know, tree process to get things done yeah. when talking. And plus there's like the, the human nature to like just like project a sort of like like autonomy and intelligence to things that aren't actually like, you know, he's like, Oh, that thing's after me, you know, and, and just like think things are great. I mean, I, I mean, I, I work, I, we use a robot, but I mean, it's like, but it's very simple. I mean, like besides, besides like, you know, the walking robots we have, like if anything, like the robots that we are going, are inventing, are those fucking like dog robots that run after people? Yeah, the fucking <laughs> dog robots that they're making for war machines. Like, for yeah, and for police and yeah, yeah and they're I just mean, gonna yeah. I think people don't don't really realize like the, with the technology, like the the robots that we have to be afraid of are the ones they're already displaying that they're like, oh, this mm-hmm. is great for combat. And like, yeah. we have to be afraid of those robots because they're going to use those robots to kill us in the future to to hunt to or basic, brown people at least. Yeah, to like, basically hunt down people, socialists and, and brown people in the and, third world. Yeah, uh, and. I mean, we already have like, I mean, the fact, you know, already trying to get like the sky approved, just be flying like drones everywhere. And like, Uh. there's just like, just already just like, okay, this is obviously just like a surveillance state type bullshit where Mm. they're just going to either use them for, um, to just spy or just like gather information. Fire. I mean, they fire, they, they shown, they've seen, they've shown like the, those little, those little flying drones can like fire rubber pellets and, Fire, even fire flamethrowers. That's like that's kind of sick, but also yeah. frightening. That, that's yeah, it's it's super yeah. frightening. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's the that's the robots. I mean, besides, I guess Elon Musk's fake little like guy in a suit robot that oh, he the had dan- the dance. The yeah, dance. that guy's such a the fucking TikTok dancer that he fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I hated that bullshit. It was but, yeah. so fucking. At first, I'm like, that's impressive. Wait a second, that's a person. Yeah, like, like and, and uh, it's, uh, it's, upon it's, any scrutiny, you're like, oh wow. 
oh, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> like, it literally serves no utility at all. No, except like, for like trying to deceive people. Yeah, I mean, the robots that are effective are like the ones that we use at work that are basically just like an arm that has like a welding gun attached yeah. to it. But and or, we, we need robots to do our TikTok dances because yeah. we don't have enough fucking teenagers to do that. Yeah. Well, and yes, we do. We I have mean, too many. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever been to a mall? <laughs> like, it's like, it's like the biggest like Barnum and Bailey bullshit that I've ever <laughs> yeah. seen because it's like, no, that's not anywhere near what's being developed by anybody who's like in the, any sort of fields of robotics. Like, if, right. Like, you look, and, like, the things that they're inventing are very unhuman shape. They're fucking, like, dogs. Yeah, that so, the- <laughs> so the people who are interested in making robotics and the people who are interested in dancing, yeah. that Venn diagram is, like, <laughs> it's two planets very yeah. far away from each other in very distant orbit at best. Yeah. Like, it's... He's just a yeah scam artist that's trying uh-huh. to manipulate the market. Like, oh, I've got this thing on the works. You yeah, know, f- fuck Elon Musk and fuck Elon Musk High School, which is in Star yeah. Trek. Yeah. yeah, Elon Musk High School. God, what a, mm. that age that age why, very poorly. Why go to Elon Musk High School when you could go to Elon <laughs> Musk School? Hi, man. You know where Elon Musk High School is on uh, Little Saint James. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, isn't, that, that's isn't that the FC9? <laughs> That's 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 where Elon Musk High yeah. School is. Yeah, you're right. They yeah. turn they they turn that um, blue and white building into the, into the high school. <laughs> it's like don't change anything. Nope, keep the massage tables there. Don't change anything. <laughs> yeah. There's like a there's like there's like a positronic robot that looks like that looks like Epstein, but he said but he has like a I giant, didn't kill myself. But he has like a mustache to make. make. Uh, so uh, we're we'll probably close on this one because there's some sub comments here. So. Gabe Sember says, the one take I haven't seen that's so undoubtedly obvious everyone seems to be missing is that sentience is a social construct, Mm -hmm. which means that something is sentient when we all agree it is, and how we reach an agreement on that is arbitrary and inconsistent. Is it, though? I mean... Is it? That I mean like if if a, if something's sentient and we don't observe it, it's still sentient. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's if something has self awareness, like yeah. if some if something can look in a mirror and recognize itself as itself and yeah. conceive that, like that is a level of sentience. So yeah. I'd argue some primates have sentience. Yeah, maybe like a dolphin and whales and shit. Parrots. Yeah, but not many <laughs> things have sentience. No, and like you know. Yeah, I mean that's that's a subject that's been on so many Star Trek mm-hmm. episodes. You know, like the little the little GoBot things. Remember, like that has like the tool. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, like like yeah. I mean, us just not uh, not acknowledging it doesn't mean it's like it's not like you know if a tree falls in a forest, does anybody hear it? It's like <laughs> <laughs> like if a tree falls in a forest and it's really smart, is it sentient? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like no, like the thing's gonna be sentient, and, and yeah, that doesn't seem that didn't seem correct to me. Indeed. Well, I think that's all the time we have for the internet today. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's remember some of our fallen brethren with a red shirt obituary. Excellent. Will the away team was in a pinch and somebody had to die? But thanks a lot. Time to beam up to the big red shirt in the sky. Today we remember an unknown crewman who was never named, who Hmm. served aboard Captain James T. Kirk on the USS Enterprise. The unknown crewman was a security officer who expired on Janus 6 
in an attack by the Horta. Mm. All other casualties from the attack were other miners from the colony. As he is unnamed, the crewman is remembered by nobody and presumably mm. lies in the tomb of the unknown soldier. If they still have that in the future, I they don't have know. one on Horta. It's just like a guy just like marching back and forth. And he's just like, <laughs> just, there was just one, but you know, yeah, it's, it's like uh, nobody, nobody else is there. And like, no uh, one cares. Yeah, no one cares. Just like the tomb of the unknown soldier here. Yeah. Like what? What? What's the point? Like. Who are you giving respect to? You just, literally don't know their names. Just, well, it's, it's just like, oh, yes, they're a sacrifice. But yeah, but it's all just like stupid fascist pageantry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank, thanks for helping with the imperialism. Yeah. Except for World War II, that was uh, probably okay. But everything else, imperialism. Uh, War of 1812 also. Pretty mm-hmm. legit. Yeah. Um, as he is unnamed, the crewman is remembered by nobody and presumably lies in the tomb of an unknown soldier. Rest in peace, unknown soldier, and thanks for your sacrifice to the greater good. Yeah. I guess. Pour one out to him. Indeed. And with that, uh, that brings us to near the end of the show. Cool. Uh, hey, Pat, where can we find you online? Uh, I'm at, at Potomac Bomb on Twitter. Cool. Yeah. I sometimes post things. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Say hello. Say hello. Uh, and Tell me I'm wrong on something. Yeah, you can Do find it. me uh, at pretty much any social uh, at Soytrek. And uh, you know what? So follow us anywhere. Strike a conversation. I love to talk Trek. Mm-hmm. I'm all weird and shit and I'll talk about anything. Really. I don't care. Yeah. Whatever. Say hi. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, with that. Captain's log. Supplemental. Well, that's all. Looks like it's time for us to warp away. Thanks for joining us, Trekkers. Kapla. And as Ferengi rule of acquisition number 208 says, sometimes the only thing more dangerous than a question is an answer. Mm. Hang, Hang dong, dong and, and shocker. Soy, 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 soy,